3: Hi, this is Joshua David Stein, host of The Fatherly Podcast, the perfect podcast for the imperfect parent. Join us as we talk to dads like Ken Burns, Tom Colicchio, and John Legend about fatherhood. Listen free by searching for The Fatherly Podcast on iHeartRadio or wherever you subscribe to your favorite podcasts.
4: We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. We're with you until 9 a.m. Eastern Time. This is the Outkick, the coverage radio program. Clay Travis, with his lovely family down in naples florida my name is jason martin the executive producer of this fine radio program joined by eight-year veteran of the nfl offensive line for multiple teams jeff schwartz he's with me all week he's on twitter at jeff schwartz that's jeff with a g e and then you finish that with an off i'm on twitter at j outkick also in the house mike mayer nick Wright, ralph Irvin, spinning the dolls radio style for us out in los angeles it's turkey day, so we're going to talk food on this program because Jeff Schwartz is here. And that would just absolutely not be okay for us not to do. We're also going to talk Chip Kelly in pretty good detail on this program today. We're I'm a, basking a little bit in the glow of a Thunder win. As a Thunder fan, we haven't had that much to shout about this year. And as you heard there with the sports update off the top of the hour, Ralph Irvin laid it out for you. Sometimes Russ is going to be Russ. Last night, Russ was Russ, and that's how the Thunder are going to win when they actually understand there's a hierarchy to that team, and Russell Westbrook is the alpha, and he's the guy that needs the ball in his hands more than the other two guys. None of them are particularly great outside shooters, the, three, the, the three-headed the 3 monster, I should say, so that causes them some problems, but at least they were able to exercise a few demons against the Warriors in what amounted to, unfortunately, a meaningless game on Thanksgiving Eve. Three NFL games today. The Los Angeles Chargers and the Dallas Cowboys playing in the middle of it. The one that we're all excited to see. A Lions team that really needs to win and get on a good streak as they definitely have a chance to make the playoffs. Matthew Stafford has been awfully good in his last six games. 12 touchdowns to just three interceptions at 98.7 passer rating. Really playing well. He's averaging over 300 yards in his last five Uh, And then you've got Case Keenum, who's playing about as well as anybody in the league. His offensive line has allowed just one sack in five games for Case Keenum. So the Vikings go to play the Lions. The Lions, who have this high-powered offense, well, the Rams had a high-powered offense, and then they ran into the Vikings on Sunday, albeit on the road, and were only able to manage seven points. But that's the early game today. That's the first one. And Jeff, I'm excited for that one. Of the three games, certainly that is the, you would call it the primetime matchup, despite the fact that it's the first one. The primetime matchup might not be worth watching very much at all, unless you're just a football (laughs) junkie that can't get away from it. The second game, at least there's a little bit of intrigue there because the Chargers are playing decently. That pass rush with the problems on the offensive line for the Dallas Cowboys, losing their left tackle, who's pretty much given up almost 50% of the sacks since that has happened to Dak Prescott that'll be entertaining but this Vikings Lions game definitely has my attention
5: well this is the only game of the three that really has true playoff implications right, right. obviously Dallas and and San Diego there's some outside chance those teams make it even if the Chargers win I think people will start talking about them more as maybe sneaking into that sixth wild card spot but the first game has implications for the NFC North and for the wild card as well, because the Lions, after this game, if they can get by this game, they'll have now had four division wins out of the six games they've had. Um, you know, six games they will have in their division, and they're scheduled on the stretch, no more teams with winning records. So they can easily squeak in to that to that playoff spot in the in the sixth seed, maybe in the fifth seed. But you need ten wins in the NFC probably to make a wild card. And they'll they'll be they'll be seven to four if they can win tonight. And the Vikings, look, they're they're riding high right now, obviously. Case Keem's playing well. Defense playing lights out right now. So if they can continue to win, obviously they have to feel good about their chances to maybe be the first team to ever have a, basically a home Super Bowl game because the Super Bowl is, is, is in Minneapolis this year. Um, but if they lose, you know, I think they'll get knocked knocked down a peg. And also, remember, if they lose and Case Keenan plays poorly, does the Teddy Bridgewater talk start again, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I don't know why uh, a Bridgewater coming off a terrible knee injury – um, is going to be better than Case Keenum at this point. it would be his first time playing for the new offensive coordinator and Pat Shermer. Uh, we don't know what he has um, in him with his leg right now, with his with his arm right now. He's been out for almost a year and a half, almost longer than that um, since he got hurt in camp of 2016. So um, it seems kind of crazy, but that's in play as well. If Case Keenum plays poorly, does a couple interceptions, um, and his team loses, I think we're going to get Teddy Bridgewater talk, especially with 10 days before the next game. So this game. Um, you know, the 12 30, I think it's 12 30 kick. Um, it's earlier than usual. It's in prime time, but this game means a lot for both these teams.
4: Yeah, I think you're right in terms of Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater. I think that is absurd at this stage. It may not be long term, but right now it's Case Keenum's team. And if he goes in and he has a bad game against the Lions team, that look, Stafford is really good on Thanksgiving. I know that's a stat that necessarily means nothing when you get to the postseason or anywhere else, but Stafford's been awfully good in most regular seasons as of late also. So if he goes into Detroit, uh, does Case Keenum, and struggles a little bit against a pretty good Lions team with a decent pass rush of their own, I don't think that that needs to be the rallying cry to Teddy Bridgewater. That, to me, it's not on the level of benching Tyrod Taylor for Nathan Peterman, if that were to happen. But... If Teddy Bridgewater fits to be his team long-term, okay, but it's not his team short-term. I will compare that. If they were to go to that move that quickly and have that kind of a hook on Case Keenum, I would compare that to the Orlando Magic in 2009 when they benched red-hot Rafer Alston in in the NBA Finals against the Lakers just because Jameer Nelson all of a sudden got healthy again despite the fact that Alston was yeah. one of the main reasons that they got by the Cleveland Cavaliers and advanced to the NBA Finals in the first place. If case if they were winning in spite of Case Keenum, I might agree with you, or not agree with you, but agree with anybody who would decide to bench Case Keenum, but they're not winning in spite of Case Keenum. They're winning because of Case right. Keenum being a part of those victories. So one loss, no matter how it goes, the Lions are not some tomato can today, and it's a home game, and it's Thanksgiving, and it's a short week. So I personally, especially the Vikings, just coming off a a big-time win over the Rams that certainly they were locked in on and prepared for. I still think they may go in there and smack Detroit around, but Stafford is really good. So to me, that's a really intriguing matchup. But you can't bench Case Keenum or even consider that. Any Vikings fan that would call us this morning... At eight seven seven nine nine on Fox, 877 and suggests that Case Keenum needs to be benched if he has a bad game today, to me is completely out to lunch.
5: Right. However, I will say this about the Viking staff and their, their preparation of Teddy Bridgewater. He's got to play at some point to see what you have in him. I know True. Uh, what the Bills did as far as basically playing Peterman to, to look ahead to 2018. I don't like that idea because you're in the middle of the season now, so you should try to win games now. Coaches, look, Coaches get paid to win games. And this is kind of a, an idea we'll have maybe coming down the stretch with, with the Browns. A Hugh Jackson is not winning games. Do you allow him to continue the rebuild? So, coaches' jobs are to win games. Their job is not to look ahead to 2018. That's the job of the front office. Um, so, you know, the Bills screw that up. They, they're going back to Tyrod Taylor this week. So, with the Vikings, though, you know, they, the front office is going to put pressure on the coaching staff to find a way to get Bridgewater in the game to see what he has. And the Vikings play close games in general. Now, they win a lot of these close games, so there's never really a blowout for them to put in Bridgewater for a drive, for two drives. And realistically, you're not going to put him in, like, in the second quarter for two drives or a third quarter for a drive because that takes away from, obviously, your offense and Case Keenum, especially if they're playing well. So I understand the urgency by the front office of the Vikings trying to see what Bridgewater has considering he'll be a free agent and Bradford will be a free agent and Case Keenum, I think, will be a free agent off a one-year deal. So – they're trying to find out who the future of their franchise franchises quarterback. However, you can't do that in spite of winning football games. Yeah, so you can't leverage the present. You can't right. leverage so the present gonna, for the future. Especially, right now. especially when you're in the hunt for home field advantage. And look, exactly. the way I look at the, the way I look at the NFC, and this is very, I think, simplistic to look at it. But I think the team that has home field advantage is going to win. Um, if you look at the Saints, especially, they are so good in that dome. Um, I played there as a division opponent when I was in Carolina. I played there uh, in New York when I was at, with John. Gi- it is so loud there. It's so raucous there. Um, it's a smaller dome compared to the new dome in Atlanta or the, or the new, or the um, you know not newish, but it, it's newer um, dome in, in Dallas. It, there, it's, it's not very big. It's so loud in there. Um, and, and so to me, if the Saints get home field advantage, I feel good about them. If the Vikings do, I feel good about them and the Eagles you know, you're telling me that, that uh, two dome teams, let's say the Saints and the Vikings, have to go to Philly at the end of January and play possibly um, a night game. Uh, it's gonna be free. Like it's gonna be tough for for those teams who play in domes to go to Philly and win a game. So home field advantage to me, I think, is really more important than usual this year in the NFC. So you're not gonna bench Bridge. You're not gonna bench uh, Keenum, I should say, to put in Bridgewater and hope you win and lose that home field advantage and even lose a first round bye. So I, I can't see them doing this. And I saw someone talk about well this is Mike Zimmer, you know, gamesmanship. He's he's trying to get the other team to to um to prepare for him. But what are they going to prepare for? He, Bridgewater hasn't played since 2015, and you're going to see a different version of him coming off a dislocated knee. I assume he's not moving the same. He might have the same arm. So they're not going to be preparing differently for, for Teddy Bridgewater. They're going to prepare the same because it's the same offense. It's a West Coast offense. It's a timing offense. They don't need to come—you know, it's not— if, if Bridgewater were to play, they're not going to put in zone reads and all this crazy stuff for him to run the football coming off a of knee injury. So I think it's, it's, I don't think it's gamesmanship. I think they actually think about playing Bridgewater as much as possible. Um, and so to me, it's a no-win. Now, if Keenan plays poorly today, plays poorly the following week um, uh, against, uh, I don't know who they play the following week, but then they play the Panthers two weeks after that. So if he struggles continually, especially against a Panthers defense, maybe you think about Bridgewater, but that's three games down the road, not now.
4: Yeah, if you're gonna, I mean, you've got time to find out what you have in Bridgewater, but you shouldn't do it unless Case Keenum proves that he needs to be taken off the field. Really, well, I mean, you can do, you, do this in last. You can do time. it in the end of the season, can't you? Can't you do it at the well, end of the regular what, like season? I guess I said, if you're depends, playing for home field, you still can't.
5: Right. So, the, so my point is that is that they have to find a way to, to. I think the I think the front office is telling these coaches, look, you need to find a way to get Bridgewater and the see we have with Bridgewater because he'll be a Well, I just agent.
4: think, look, the next three games for the Minnesota Vikings, they play at Detroit today, then they go to Atlanta and to Carolina. That is three tough football games in a row, yeah. plus they just came off of playing the Rams and a pretty tight game uh, on the road in Washington as well. That's their last five. Again, the next three today in Detroit, then against Atlanta on the road, and then against Carolina on the road. And then their final three games versus Cincinnati at Green Bay – versus Chicago to me those are the three games where you could potentially play Bridgewater and feel better about your chances no matter what I don't think that you want to risk putting him in against these good teams just because you don't really know what you have even if you love Teddy Bridgewater I don't think you do Teddy Bridgewater any favors by putting him in here it's the same thing as the Bills deciding let's put in Nathan Peterman against one of the best pass rushes in the NFL and see how that goes (laughs) well we saw how that went you need to set up guys for success, especially in my opinion, somebody like Teddy Bridgewater, who's coming back from an injury, so no doubt he's going to be lacking a little bit of confidence. Until he gets out there and gets hit and gets up from something like that and feels a little bit better and doesn't feel like maybe he can't rely on one of his legs, he's going to be a little gun-shy. He's going to be a little reticent. So the last thing I want to do is put him out there against Detroit, Atlanta, or Carolina and let him get beaten around and lose, likely, or potentially lose those games, I would just rather put him in in those final three weeks of the year because even if you're playing for home field, you've got a much better chance against those three teams, I would say, Jeff, than you do these three.
5: Well, you do, but again, the Vikings, I'm looking up right now, they don't play a lot of games that are blowouts. Um, so I, my question, again, is when do you find that time? Look, the, they they won week one against the Saints by 10, but I think the, the at that point, the Saints were down pr- pretty much big all, all game, but came back at the end. So you're not going to put them in then. Lost to Steelers, beat Tampa by 14, beat the Bears by three, the Packers by 13, the Ravens by eight. You, you know, see the trend? The Redskins by eight. So even the Rams game, they won last week by, looks like it's like 17, but it it was pretty close for most of the game. So they don't play a game where you'd say, hey, let's put in Keenum, I'm yeah, assuming, it's not let's garbage put in Bridgewater uh, because. Because they, they don't have blowouts. So, I, again, it's a, it's a dilemma that this front office is telling the coaching staff, look, we need to see them play, but when do they put him in?
4: 877-996-6369 is our telephone number if you'd like to join the Outkick the Coverage program here on this happy Thanksgiving. 877-99 on Fox if you want it to be a little bit simpler for you. We will talk about Chip Kelly here shortly as well. There are two other games today. We will at least look at one of them. I don't think we're going to spend a whole lot of time breaking down Redskins versus Giants too much, even though Jeff played for the Giants. I don't know. Maybe maybe it will come up. But we will talk a little bit about Cowboys and Chargers and the importance of that football game. And again, we will get to Chip Kelly. But And this is a tease for you. Coming back, if you've never heard this audio, it's one of my favorite pieces of audio in the history of sports media. It's Les Miles from a couple of years ago at LSU doing a press conference the week of Thanksgiving, going into great detail about how hungry he is and how much food he enjoys on Thanksgiving. You will not want to miss that. We will come back and play it for you on the other side. This is Outkick the Coverage on a Thanksgiving Thursday with Jeff Schwartz and Jason Martin, only here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Also brought to you today by our great partners at TrueCar. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over $3,000 off the MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience this is the i'll kick the coverage radio program only here on fox sports radio our telephone number if you'd like to join us on this thanksgiving thursday is 877-996-6369 877 On Fox, My name is Jason Martin, executive producer of this program on a usual basis, although you hear my voice quite a bit. Clay Travis will be back on Monday. He off for the Thanksgiving holiday down in Florida with his family. I'm joined by eight-year NFL veteran Jeff Schwartz, who now talks for a living or tells people that he does. He's trying, folks. That's that's something we can say for him. He's down in Charlotte early with (laughs) us here on this Thanksgiving morning. (laughs) Jeff, you love food, buddy. That's something I know. Yeah, I know that very much about you after... You handed me your book at the Super Bowl, and unfortunately, I haven't read it yet. But I do have it on a bookshelf it's, it's uh, at okay my parents' right. house. No, one, I need no one I read really it. need to read it. I know there's a big. Was it a chicken? Was it chicken you were eating on the cover, or was it no, Mitch that was eating leg, on the cover?
5: It's it's no, it's me, and it's a turkey leg because I'm six six 340. It looks like a chicken leg.
4: All right, so we're gonna talk about what is the article? We're not gonna do it right now, but tell me about the article that's coming out that you've written for SB Nation. That oh yeah. I, I I don't like when you sent this to me last night. I thought about calling in sick. I was I, I thought about either calling in sick or not missing this for the world. So what's happening so, here? So
5: I I write for SB Nation and, and a lot of it, most of it, is serious. Uh, football breakdowns, X and O's. I make videos now. I do a bunch of really cool things, and it's fun. I never actually imagined myself as a writer. It's kind of it's kind of interesting how, how that played out. So you know, normally we, um, you know, me and my editor, we talk back and forth. Hey, this is what I want to do. This is what we want you to do. We figure it out. So he said, "Look," he goes, "It's Thanksgiving. You're an X and O's guy. Why don't you give me an X and O's breakdown of of Thanksgiving food?" So I said, "Sure. That's right up my alley." So. I ended up doing a breakdown where I I basically took every food category or actual food item from Thanksgiving and basically made it into uh, or talked about the equivalent of what football position it would be. So um, we have the turkey. I got the ham. Got some starches, the vegetables, the rolls. Um, I can't wait to hear this later. We put in there, um, uh, oh, desserts as well, of course. Um, And, uh, yeah, so I equated most everything to a position. Cranberry sauce is in there as well. Um, I equate everything to a football position and how you should build your plate is basically how you build your football team. And it it makes a lot of sense when you read it. We should have some cool graphics and everything. They went all out because they wanted to make this so special that Jason would actually read it.
4: Yeah, well, I don't know that that will happen, but we will definitely talk about it on the air. (laughs) Totally kidding. So you were talking about food, and we're talking about food. Another guy that talked about food. Former LSU head coach, Les Miles. Whether or not you were a fan of what he was able to do in Baton Rouge or not. Les Miles was so much fun. He was just a great character, a very, very nice man as well. A few years ago at a press conference, it might actually be more than a few years now, on Thanksgiving week, he was asked questions about food and about Thanksgiving, and his answer It's just the perfect tone to set for our program and for this day. We're going to play it a couple of different times this morning, but you're going to absolutely love this if you haven't heard it. Here is Les Miles on Thanksgiving.
2: I am the easiest man to please when it comes to food. Um, I I have to be honest. I think it's it's definitely the turkey with a warm gravy. Um, Maybe it's the last... um, spoon or fork of food on the plate you know that has a little bit of salt and pepper and maybe a little bit of the uh, turkey and gravy and and some of the stuffing that would be there and maybe just a a smidgen of that uh, cranberry stuff right not like a big not kind of overwhelm the last bite but that right there oh my goodness right that last bites worth a lot Um, I might add that uh, the turkey sandwich with uh, mayonnaise, mustard, onions, and a little salad, a little uh, little uh, lettuce, kind of makes makes for good eating later too, doesn't it? wish you hadn't mentioned that. I haven't had my lunch yet.
4: That is awesome. I don't know, <laughs> Jeff, that it beats Mike Leach yesterday in his wedding audio, but for Thanksgiving, I miss Les Miles. I miss stuff like that. Because you could tell it was totally genuine. Like he did not coach speak his Thanksgiving answer because he went no. deep. He went deep into like his depth chart with the turkey sandwich with mustard, mayonnaise, and onions. Oh, which sounds disgusting, by the way. Why? Because mayonnaise is mayonnaise oh, no. and onions are Jason. both the devil's Jason. Jason. playground.
5: Jason. That's just just you. Just you disappoint me on so many levels with your food with your food options. Really, mayonnaise just, is horrible. Look, no, mayonnaise is awesome. So, the, my favorite part of Thanksgiving is actually tomorrow when you make the turkey sandwich for lunch. But the leftover turkey is so good on a sandwich, and it has to have mayonnaise. The onions, I could do without, but I like onions anyways. Mayonnaise, mustard, like a good warm bread, a little toasted maybe. Um, I'm getting super hungry now as well. Really <laughs> All right, yet. Les. Um, but I, you know what I like about, about less and even Mike Leach as well, is... Is the not is they don't do the coach speak. They actually give honest answers, which is nice yes. from time to time to not have these robotic answers given by coaches on gen, on you know fun questions. They're asking him like a fun question because it's Thanksgiving, and he doesn't give a generic answer, which is which is awesome. It turns into a great soundbite for us, but as well you can you can see how he enjoys Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving to me is the one day where your diet's thrown out the window, where you just you, you go to town and look. You've lost a lot of weight. How are you how are you approaching Thanksgiving? Are you going to go? All out, you're going to keep kind of your diet you've been keeping.
4: I'm keeping the diet, man. I'm over 120 pounds lost now. I'm right at about 250. I'm a 6'3, 250 pound guy, which is good for you astonishing. But yeah, I'm going to keep to it just like on my birthday back on the 17th of October. Instead of a cake, I had a birthday cake flavored protein bar. Today, I am going to have deli mm. turkey. I'm just going to eat deli turkey, but I'm not going to eat much of the other stuff. I'm actually not going to see the family today or anything like that as well either. So I'm just going to be at home. So I'm just going to stick to the regimen, probably eat an Atkins frozen dinner, which is one of my moves or maybe some soup or something like that. But there will be turkey eaten, but it's just going to be kind of like sandwich turkey without the bread more so than anything. I might actually take uh, like turkey out of a protein pack or something and put it into a salad and eat that as well. So there will be turkey as part of this. This turkey is not bad, obviously on the diet, but a lot of the other things, like I, I, macaroni and cheese was basically my favorite thing in the world for pretty much my entire life. That and bread, and those two things are basically both completely out the window at this stage. So I just, at this point, I have a hard time eating badly. Like it gets to a point where there's a routine that you don't want to break, and I can't, I can't even think of the last time that I truly, truly cheated. Like my cheats, I, I basically try to cheat my cheats some way like i'll go somewhere and i'll get queso but i'll sop every chip as much as i can so i only eat like seven chips or something like that i'll find ways to still not allow it like i haven't walked into a fast food restaurant outside of a chick-fil-a for grilled nuggets in about six months so it just because i'm not going to be with family and stuff there's not going to be corn around which i probably i love cream corn and, and corn but i wouldn't eat that i might make some green beans myself today as well so it's there's probably a lot Pine of people out there beans, that gonna, are like, make how sad. A little, Like a little green bean casserole. No, just green beans. Uh, green beans, a little bit of Parmesan, which is a recipe I found a couple of months ago. Um, it's it's know, actually it's good. quite good. I, I will so say there this, you
5: go. I will say this. So since I've, I, well, I just don't eat as much as I used to eat because I've, don't play anymore. I will, I don't go all out like I used to go. Like I don't do the food comb eating anymore, just in general. Like I used to eat in college. I used to eat, you know, to get a food comb and then you just lay on the ground at my friend's house. Like, I mean, like that's the way I used to eat. So I am I will not indulge in a lot of sides today. I like the actual turkey because I fry a turkey. I injected my turkey last night with the Creole butter seasoning. Uh, excuse me, Creole butter um marinade, so it's all ready to go. It's sitting in the fridge. I'll fry it this afternoon. Um so I'd rather eat. More turkey and less of the sides and we're not gonna have many sides today because it's just my family so it's mac and cheese, which is like the homemade version green bean okay. casserole. my wife is making a pie, a homemade pie my she's my about my wife so she's from the south and she lived in Italian uh, for a little bit of time so she can make some really good Italian food as well. But, like, she'll surprise me by saying, oh, I'll make a pie. Like, she's never made a pie. We've been together 10 years before. She's never even suggested that she can make a pie. And I and guarantee it's going to be bomb uh, to, today. But she's like, yeah, I'll just make a pie. Like, where's this? Like, Meredith, you know I love to eat. Why? Like, where's all this, this food all the time? Dude, she, one time, how about this, Jason? One time, I came home from a football game, a Giants football game, uh, when I was with the Giants. And she goes, I have a surprise for dinner for you. And I said, okay, well, what is this? She goes, I'm not going to tell you. I came home. She had a homemade stuffed crust pizza waiting for me. Oh my goodness! Homemade.
4: Yes. Mm. Like she rolled homemade the dough food. herself.
5: Um, I think she might have or she bought, bought like, it the, that way. I think she bought the dough like in a ball and then rolled it out. Like she, like she didn't buy the She didn't buy like a pizza crust. She, I mean, she bought like the dough and rolled it out herself. She didn't make the dough. Rolled it out herself. Stuffed. You know, put the it's just string cheese. Put the string cheese in, right? In in the and stu- you know rolled it over to make the crust, and then made you know the tomato sauce and put the cheese and the pepperoni and the sausage. Now I'm there. hungry. And I came home and this was waiting for me. So in New York, that was always the post game food on the road when I came back from a road game. Was she'd have a a homemade stuffed crust pizza waiting for me.
4: Let's go to the homemade version. Of the stuff crust here in the Fox Sports Radio Update Studios, the delectable Ralph Irvin. Let's find out what's happening in the
0: world of sports. Ralph, how are you? I am doing swell, and they're also doing great in Oklahoma City where Wednesday night Russell Westbrook went for 34 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists in a win over Golden State, 108-91. to Miami also having a fun night as they snapped Boston's 16-game winning streak with a 104-98 victory over the Celtics. The Clippers are excited. That's because their nine-game losing streak has come to an end after they beat Atlanta 116-103. How bad are the Hawks? Well, besides losing to the Clippers, they've only won three times this year. The Cavaliers have six straight wins. They beat Brooklyn 119-109. Dallas got their fourth win of the season Sneaking Pie, Memphis 95-94 with True Car. You can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. News from the NFL, where Kansas City has signed cornerback Darrell Revis. Detroit signed defensive end Dwight Freeney. That after he was released by Seattle on Tuesday. In the latest with Seattle cornerback Shaq Griffin, unlikely to play this week against the 49ers due to his concussion on monday night against the falcons
4: appreciate it ralph we are coming to you live from the geico outkick studios what does it mean when geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15 percent or more on your car insurance it means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago So the Darrell Rivas news kind of came out of the blue and it's intriguing because there was at least some talk as uh, I bring in Jeff Schwartz, who's with me all morning and he's with me all day tomorrow. My name is Jason Martin, the executive producer of this fine program with Clay Travis down in Florida. Darrell Rivas, there was some talk that he could potentially move to safety and play in that role. And if you were to look at the Chiefs, do you think that that's part of this decision making with Eric Berry out? If Darrell Rivas can still play, and I mean, I have no idea but if he can play, this could be quite the move by the Kansas City Chiefs.
5: Yeah, Reeves has lost some weight. He's gotten back to, well, at least he says he's gotten back to almost the weight he played in his best season at 205. I think he said he's 208. So if that weight, I don't see him playing safety. I know the urge to get him to, to obviously fill Eric Berry's role. But Eric Berry was a do-all for the Chiefs. He was a box player, so he played mm-hmm. you know inside the tackles at times, especially in their in their sub-packages. Um, and so I don't see Rivas doing that role as far as being down the box and being a tackler. And he's he's a good tackler for a corner. Um, I think what they're thinking is that they can put him out at corner alongside Peters and basically have two lockdown guys and allow themselves to bring a little bit more pressure because they've been lacking a pass rush the last four or five weeks without D Ford. Tom Bali was on PUP. Uh, He missed the first eight games. Uh, He's been practicing, but he hasn't played yet. So I think that they're thinking, look, if we can get someone else to play corner uh, who's better than Gaines, who we have now, who gave up um, that late play on Sunday that allowed the Giants to get in the field goal range and kick the game winning field goal overtime, if we bring in someone like Revis, who you know may or may not have it, but if he has it, it'll allow us to basically man cover two guys and maybe add a safety into the box to help with the run with the Chiefs are poor at and allow them to maybe bring more pressure, trusting that they have corners who can stop uh, wide receivers from just simple routes. I mean, the route the Giants ran the other day to get into field goal range, overtime was a simple route. It was just a fade from the slot, and Gaines just completely overplayed it, got a P.I., and the, and actually the ball was caught and they ended up kicking a field goal to win the game. So, I think mean, that's where their mind is at. Look, we, we we'll take a flyer on a guy, but look for Revis. This is really smart. You need in the NFL, you need three game, well, three games and and a fourth game. So basically, four games to. I mean, no, no, you just need three games. I should say to get a credited season for your pension. So if he just plays these three games, he gets another four hundred one k contribution. Now he's got a ton of money, but I mean, this is not. It's not going to affect him very much, but it's it's pretty smart by him. So he'll get another year of 401K, another year of money tacked on his pension, another year of of health savings. Like he'll get everything done as another year rollover in his career for just playing at least three games. So um, this is, a, from a business standpoint, it makes a lot of sense for him to do this. From a playing standpoint, I hope he still has it left. I'm a Chiefs fan. My brother plays for the Chiefs, and they could use him to man up on the outside with Peters and allow them to be, you know, have some more freedom inside the box with doing some cool things to get themselves to help in the run game and get more pressure in the pass
4: game. I'd I'd be curious to see what Darrell Revis has got. I mean, one thing that you just mentioned and when you were talking about his pension, the one thing that we know about Darrell Revis is he knows how to make money, and he understands yes. that side of it. So <laughs> that's probably part of He's this decision of the be- I would have to he- imagine.
5: He's one of the best if you look at just playing the system. Uh, the way he has with with his contracts, and Sean Gilbert is his uncle, um, and he he was the one who's been um, a bit really proactive in, in his contracts, and he's held out. He's done one year deals. He's done a lot of one year deals, uh, front loaded contracts. He's gone out of contracts, go somewhere else for more money. Um, he's really done a good job of leveraging what leverage players do have to get himself the most money.
4: I guess there's, there's probably no longer a Revis Island. I would imagine that that's no. that's a thing of the past. Maybe a Rivas uh, Archipelago, or something like that. I I that's would look a big that word up for this early in the morning. Yeah, I know. Do you know what an archipelago is? You're a smart. I guess Jack. It's,
5: I'm gonna guess it's it's a it's a larger of larger island.
4: Well, it's a group of islands, really. Okay, well, so it's it's not really a perfect comparison by me. But there you Congrats. go. I think that was a five syllable word for you. Thirty minutes you into this me. program on Thanksgiving, I fooled you. That's fooled right. You just like you fooled you me fooled. yesterday.
5: Yeah, well, that's your fault.
4: I got killed on Twitter about that, too. It's like everybody was just like, you ruined a great joke. How did you not know this joke? It's just like I, nobody in the studio knew it either. Like as soon as I figured no, it Danny, out, it was Danny. like, okay, great. I no, just never heard it before.
5: Danny didn't think it was funny. <laughs> he, knew, he knew what it was. Oh, okay.
4: Well, okay, well, that's even worse, Jeff. Not only did you have that to explain worse, it, he I, was like, I got it. I just didn't think it was very good.
5: Um, maybe, he's heard, maybe he's heard it too often. Maybe Danny has the problem, too. We, never, we don't know. Maybe he's sensitive to that problem.
4: Who knows? We'll leave it at uh, that. Okay, yeah, let's let's really try and leave it right there. We haven't talked much about the Cowboys and the Chargers, and we're not going to talk very much about the Giants and the Redskins. But the Cowboys-Chargers game does intrigue me. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back, and we'll discuss that game a little bit more in detail. Also still to come, Chip Kelly. Jeff thinks UCLA is a horrible idea for Chip Kelly. Looks like that decision is going to be made, according to most sources, By this weekend, potentially by Sunday, we will know where Chip Kelly has landed, whether or not that's going to be in Gainesville or whether or not that's going to be in Los Angeles. What it appears like it will not be is in College Station down in Texas because the only two jobs apparently on the docket now for Chip Kelly, either Florida or or ucla so we'll talk about that and we'll talk chargers cowboys next if you want to join the program on this thanksgiving again it's 877-996-6369 we're back in a flash this is jeff and jay mart on thanksgiving here on outkick the coverage on fox sports radio welcome back coming to you live from the geico Outkick studios switch to geico go to geico.com 15 minutes to save you 15% or more on car insurance. No reason not to save money, even on a Thanksgiving. Glad to have you with us. We are thankful for the OutKick Army. We are so grateful to all of you, and we appreciate you taking part of your holiday morning. Maybe you're commuting. It's a little bit early, but some of you might be on a longer commute to Grandma's house or wherever it is that you're going to enjoy your Thanksgiving meal today, so we'll provide the soundtrack for that background. On that drive, be safe out there. It's cold here. I don't know what's going on. Jeff Schwartz is with me. I'm Jason Martin. Clay Travis will be back with us on Monday, of course, on the program. But Jeff, it was under 30 degrees when I climbed into my car this morning here in Nashville. Ice for the first time on my windshield that I had to deal with. This is It is officially wintertime.
5: Yeah, we had a little bit of that like two days ago where we had a little bit of frost on the uh, on the grass. And even last night, uh, and we'll get, maybe get into this, I got my Christmas tree. Um, oh, yes. Han- excuse me, Han- Hanukkah bush, I should say. And, yeah, I was about like, to ask, grass, do you guys
4: get Christmas trees?
5: The the grass was wet last night, at, like 6 o'clock, like soaking wet, and it didn't rain. I, so I guess I, I don't know what's going on. I'd, it's been cold and weird weather. Uh, but I, look, I like having a little bit of seasons, though. Like I like it gets so hot here in the south that mm-hmm. it's nice to have a couple of days in the fifties or the forties. Um, I still have all my winter clothes from playing in Minnesota and Kansas City and New York, so uh, I get to wear that from time to time. But I, I like a little chill in the air in the morning and at night. During the day, sunny and fifty-five is fine. But like in the morning, in the morning and night, it's nice to have that little chill it feels like winter.
4: No, I agree. I'm I'm much more a cold-natured person as well. I don't like it when it gets above about 75. I'm not a big fan of the 80s or the 90s or anything like that. 55, with even if there's not sunlight, a little overcast, somewhere in the 60s, that's kind of my wheelhouse. That's where I'm happiest. And yes, you bought a Christmas tree the day before Thanksgiving, and that thing was a monstrosity based on the photo I saw on Twitter last night. I'm pretty sure that the tree now owns your house and you're just living in it. Like the tree is going to make all the decisions for your house after seeing your son standing next to it in that photo last night on Twitter where you can follow Jeff at Jeff Schwartz, G-E-O-F-F. If you want to do that, I'm on Twitter at Outkick. Chargers, Cowboys, Tyron Smith says he's going to play. The Cowboys have him listed as questionable, but they're hopeful that he can play. And based on what's happened to Dak Prescott since he's been out, They definitely need him. You're an offensive lineman, Jeff, or you were for such a long period of time, and you break down film for a part of your living, a large part of your living, and you write about it for SB Nation, and sometimes you write about Thanksgiving foods and what positions they could potentially be on a football field. We'll get to that later on in the program as well. But Tyron Smith, just how integral is he to what the Cowboys want to do to protecting Dak Prescott, and how great a player is he in his position at left tackle for Dallas?
5: Well, he's a generational talent, and I think that's been lost a little bit because we talk about Zeke and we talk about Dak and Des Bryant and, and this year Demarcus Lawrence, their defensive end, who who was leading the NFL in sacks. He's he's one or two right now. I think behind Calais Campbell, he's two. You know, and, and also Tyron Smith has been a little hurt. He's had a little back problems, he's had some knee problems, groin problems. Um he's a generational talent left tackle. He is what you want in a left tackle. If you were to to build one, that's the one you build. Um, 6'6", 300 pounds, arms go down to his knees, super athletic, makes it look easy, strong, physical. Um, he He's the real deal. And he's a generational talent. He's that good. So against the Falcons, this was two weeks ago, obviously Tyron Smith is out. And, and all week they thought he might play. By Saturday he was downgraded to out. So the game plan is already in. And think about this, for years the Cowboys have never had to worry about the left tackle. They've never had to scheme up anything in their offense for the left tackle. They know Tyron Smith, you're on your own. We don't have to worry about giving you a chip help, formation help, tight end help, anything. We don't have to slide to your side, any of that stuff, because we know you have that locked down. That's the way it works. If you're a left tackle of that caliber, you're not getting help. And they're okay with that because they're really they're that good. They don't need help. Um, so you play that Atlanta game, Chaz Green goes in at left tackle. Struggles gives up uh he allowed uh, four sacks and then Byron Bell comes in, gives up a, a fifth and a fifth sack, and and Claiborne eventually ended up with six sacks. He dropped one time and came up and made a made a an, an unassisted sack essentially, and nothing to do with the offensive line. Um and so I give the Cowboys a little bit of a pass in that game because they didn't know until really Saturday that they were gonna need to help the left tackle. And it's hard to make an adjustment just to change your prote- your protection schemes after they've been put in. They get put in on Tuesday and Wednesday, and you practice them on Thursday. You make some adjustments Friday, and then by Saturday, that's your game plan. And so when you put in a chip or protection help or formation help, you obviously change your offense. So the idea is if you don't have to chip anybody, you have more guys in routes, which loosen up the defense. You can find holes in the defense. You can flood certain sides of the field. So what I mean by flood is you can put three guys you can put a running back a tight end and a wide receiver and level out the field on that side so flood that side of the field so it's just hard to do that to change that on Saturday so last week if you saw the Cowboys they chipped Um, for for Byron Bell. He got beat badly one time and allowed a strip sack for a fumble, which the game was out of hand by that time, but still not not very good. Uh, They ended up scoring that play. Um, But they added running backs and they added tight ends and they helped him out, which hurts the passing game. And, And the Cowboys looked disjointed in the passing game as well. So with Tyron Smith back today, they can go back to their old offense. Uh, which should be better. And you've seen Dak Prescott struggle the last two weeks. I think we saw in that game on Sunday, and, and maybe you agree with me, Jason, on this, is that is that we see Carson Wentz is probably closer to a generational talent than Dak Prescott is. Yes. Dak Prescott is good with the parts around him, but the Eagles are also out of left tackle. Now, their guy filling in, Vitai has done an outstanding job. He's improved every week and give a lot of credit to the Eagles coaching staff for getting him ready to play. But they also don't really have a number one running back, J.I.J. is there now, uh, but they have they had Blunt for a while and Smallwood and Clement and a couple other guys. Um, so they've had the same kind of issues the Cowboys have had, and Carson Wentz is still balling. He's not asked to do as much because they're able to run the football a little better than Dallas is this year, but I think we saw on Sunday that Carson Wentz is a generational talent, and Dak is good. you agree with that?
4: Yeah, I do. Uh, Carson Wentz, if you were to look, and we've done this on the show before, maybe we'll do it again uh, here in this show today taking a look at the quarterbacks of the last like maybe three or four classes as a whole and ranking them, Carson Wentz would be the first guy off my board right now watching what he's done. He ran into a wall in his rookie season, which a lot of people do, but the team ran into a wall. There were things that happened. They lost s- some key offensive linemen, and he struggled to kind of deal with that. But watching what he's been able to do, I mean, on Sunday night, he didn't even have a place kicker. like I mean, everything that he does, from, <laughs> I didn't realize he was nearly as athletic as we've seen him be. He's more escapable than you think. He makes smart decisions with the football. He is a true leader. Seems like he's really good in the community. Like, that is a home run by the Philadelphia Eagles, and they already know they have a franchise quarterback. Like, can you imagine the comfort? Like, that is like going into the furniture store and buying the greatest couch, the cushiest sofa that you can find, because you found a quarterback and you know it already. So we'll continue to talk about that. We'll also bring in Nick Wright out in L.A. He's a big Chargers fan. See what he thinks about the game today. But Chip Kelly, where is he headed? That's next. This is Outkick the Coverage. Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome in. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios on this Thanksgiving Thursday, 2017. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. All you got to do is hit up the website. Visit Geico.com and get your free rate quotes. I'm Jason Martin, executive producer of this fine program on Twitter at jmartoutkick, joined by eight-year veteran of the NFL, Jeff Schwartz. He's on Twitter at Jeff G-E-O-F-F Schwartz. I won't tell you anything else about how to spell that name because I don't want to get yelled at right now. Correct. He has written an article at SB Nation about Thanksgiving foods and their correlations to building a football team. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk more about food on this show, but before we do we got to go again. I'm telling you, we're going to play this numerous times today because it really sets the tone if you haven't heard it. If you just got up, and look, we don't blame you that you missed the first hour of this show this morning on the holiday if you're just now getting up. And if you're also still not up and you're listening to the podcast and it's like 2 in the afternoon when you're getting to it, that's a good reason, by the way, to listen to the podcast, to subscribe to the podcast where we're well over a million downloads now monthly go ahead and download it, subscribe to it, it updates. You can listen to it whenever you'd like to, especially on this holiday where you might not be with us live. But here is Les Miles from years ago at LSU on Thanksgiving week at a press conference asked about his favorite foods and how he likes to go, how he likes to get down on Thanksgiving.
2: I am the easiest man to please when it comes to food. Um, I I have to be honest. I I think it's definitely the turkey with a warm gravy. Um, maybe it's the last um, uh, spoon or fork of food on the plate, you know, that has a little bit of salt and pepper and maybe a little bit of the uh, turkey and gravy and and some of the stuffing that would be there, and maybe just a a smidgen of that uh, cranberry stuff, right? Not like a big, not kind of overwhelm the last bite, but that right there, oh my goodness, right? That last bite's worth a lot. Um, I might add, that uh the turkey sandwich with uh, mayonnaise mustard onions and a little salad a little uh little uh, lettuce kind of makes makes for good eating later too doesn't it wish you hadn't mentioned that i haven't had my lunch yet
4: so there you go les miles not on the sideline but still providing great content for this program i miss les miles that's the key here we'll probably hit that again before the end of the show and it was such a crowd pleaser yesterday you may hear mike leach's wedding situation (laughs) his advice again before the end of this program as well. I wanted to mention this because I heard Ralph Irvin there in the Sports Update talking about the Maui Invitational. I'm trying to figure this out. This is not like some gigantic story, but ESPN has relentlessly been advertising this doubleheader of basketball that's going to be happening, I don't. I think it's tomorrow, where the North Carolina Tar Heels are going to play Portland And Duke is going to play Portland State. They're advertising this as if it's the Elite Eight and we're in March. Explain to me why I'm seeing multiple commercials on the four-letter, day in and day out, incessantly reminding me, in the middle of football season, towards the end of the college football season, that North Carolina and Duke are going to play Portland and Portland State, respectively. Jeff,
5: so this actually is tomorrow is today. Okay, and it's in Portland, so it's not the Maui Invitational. Um, no, I know. What I don't understand is why they went to Portland for this. I think it might be a Nike thing. I assume it's a Nike thing. However, they're playing at is. two different arenas. Um, one North Carolina Portland is being played at the where the Trailblazers play. I don't. I've never heard of this other place where they're playing Portland State and Duke. So this might be a Nike thing where they're going to there because Nike is nearby. I don't it get is. why. It's called
4: the PK80. This this is a tournament honoring <laughs> Phil Knight. Literally, it's called the Why does it Oregon
5: play in this tur- Why does not Oregon playing in this tournament?
4: <laughs> they may be. Apparently, it's a 16 team tournament. But the only things that you've heard about this because I I don't know how many times I've seen this ad. North Carolina and Portland, Duke and Portland State, doubleheader. It's like what on earth makes you think that I care about that? Like North Carolina and Duke playing in conference action or playing in the, you know, the old ACC Big 10 challenge, the ACC Big East challenge from back in the day, I'm down for that. But Portland and Portland State? I didn't even think I'm not even sure I knew Portland State existed as a college until I saw that ad. Duke is the consensus best team in college basketball right now. North Carolina is North Carolina. Portland and Portland State are apparently universities that exist in the state of Oregon. Like, I don't understand. Oh, yes. I know there's many bigger stories, but I just... I don't get why we're advertising this so hard. Is this well, all we've got th- on this Thanksgiving? I would run reruns of... Heck, man, I don't know. I would find something else to run. I would run that... Um what was it that cornhole experiment that they had a few months ago where they ran all the crazy stuff the ultimate frisbee and all that the, i would run that championship of bags tournament that they ran well, that had one of the greatest sound bites of all time when they asked the guy before he ended up winning they talked to him in a pre-game interview if you want to call it that and asked what his strategy was he's like let's get them bags in the hole it's just one of the great <laughs> sound bites of all time i would much rather see the championship of bags than i would north carolina portland or duke portland state i'll bring in the guys out in la as well as you jeff nick Wright, mike mayer out there guys why are we hearing incessantly that north carolina is playing portland and duke is playing portland state on espn like this is some gigantic sporting event we all need to be taking seriously i guess they want alternative programming i i don't know <laughs>
3: It's like, hey, how did you, you do worse? Well, I I know it's like it's like, hey, if if you're not into football, which everybody's gonna be watching football, that's like the Thanksgiving staple. But I don't understand it either because college basketball to most people, to the average person, isn't relevant until late February, early March. That's really what it is. So I don't get it either. I, maybe it's a contract money motivated that they have to do it. Other than that, I don't have an answer for you, man. Well, Jason,
5: I, I, I blame you for caring about college basketball this early in the in the year. Like that's on you. Well, I, didn't I don't. Know that this, that's these, the whole these, point. I didn't know these I didn't know these two games existed uh because it's it's an NFL Thanksgiving. Now there is the egg bowl tonight in Mississippi and Mississippi State uh at seven thirty, but I will because I'm a gun for punishment, I will be watching the Giants and the Redskins tonight. Um Ugh. But, it's it's like I, even even last night the Thunder and the Warriors played. And I watched I don't know maybe three minutes of that. I know you're a Thunder fan, which well you're a Thunder fan, you're a Yankees fan, you're a Cowboys fan. I don't not I don't a know Yankees what teams fan, not a Cowboys I fan. I don't know what teams you root for nowadays.
4: We're not um, doing this. <laughs> but, We're not doing. But like, this like I don't watch.
5: I mean, NBA basketball to me. It doesn't really start till at least I watch the you know the the Christmas games is probably the first time of the year I'll watch really watch NBA basketball and then obviously Mm -hmm. after the Super Bowl but like college basketball to me I know it started I've seen people tweet about it it does not exist until after football season for me it's it's the lowest because you have you know college football obviously you have NFL then you have NBA and then you have college basketball for me so that's will. Will take president. So it's your fault for really caring about college basketball this time of the season.
4: No, but I don't care. That's why I'm saying I don't understand why we're incessantly hearing about it. Like, you said, because they're trying to sell. I mean, they're trying to draw seen any commercial breaks, You've seen this.
5: They're trying to draw. I think they're trying to draw attention away from the NFL today, which is not going to happen because turkey, no. football, NFL, college football all go hand in hand. Um, and so I don't, I, you know, they're not going to obviously draw attention away from the games today, especially the early game at twelve thirty. And even it's the Cowboys, but it's not their best version of the Cowboys. They're still going to draw a lot. Even tonight, I think, um, you know, you'll get a decent amount of fans who just love football and are still awake will watch the NFL game.
4: I know you and I do like the N- the NBA. I like it quite a bit. You like it fairly well. Clay doesn't like it very much at all, especially in the regular season. One thing I do agree with him on, though, that season shouldn't start until Christmas Day that should be the first game of those those should be the first games cuz that's when we do start to at least a little bit pay attention to what's going on in college basketball you're in North Carolina now I, even though i was born in virginia i spent you know my middle school and high school years as well as went to college at nc state in winston salem is where i was where i grew up most of my life and college basketball was religion in the 90s yes. when i was growing up i was you know 5 miles from wake forest was my home my family home And again, going to state and then down Tobacco Road, you had Carolina, you had Duke. Uh, There was just so much around that area. And ACC basketball was so huge at the time. But it does feel like it's way too early right now, even for that. And college basketball, the luster of college basketball, I grew up thinking it was the be-all, end-all. I cared much more about college basketball as a kid than I did college football, I think. And the NFL, of course, was always the NFL. But... Now it's not that, not like that. I know ESPN has to have some programming today. I get that. But they might as well run bowling or just a test pattern because people are going to watch. I don't think you're switching from the NFL game when it goes to commercial to Duke versus Portland State. You might be rolling. Are they going to start running Christmas movies today on some of the networks? I figure we're getting there. So Home Alone's probably going to be on somewhere today. Let me tell you where oh, I'm going to be during commercial breaks. Watching Home Alone, which if you don't like it – Turn off this radio station right now. You disgust me.
5: <laughs> I I will not be watching Christmas movies today. However, I will watch uh, as much football as, as I can as I can consume. Um, yeah, I, look, I think they're trying to sell. Obviously, try, they're trying to get at least some eyes. And, and you and talk about you know college basketball here in the South. Obviously, it's huge. But you know, to me, I I just can't get into basketball until and even you know maybe the Lakers were better um, and they played games before 10 ten thirty Eastern. Not. Um, I would – I I tell you what, I went and saw LeBron. They played the Hornets. Um, the Cavs did about two weeks ago. I went to that game. So I'll go to a couple games just because it's LeBron. Yay. I think we have actually tickets to the Warriors as well, so I, I'll check out the Warriors. But I just go to be entertained by the opponent. I don't go to root for the Hornets. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, that's very nice of you to support your, support your hometown team. You just came because you wanted to see LeBron James in person. No, I understand. I think most people – a lot of people probably follow you said you weren't going to watch the christmas movies what What did you say you were going to watch again football probably well during the breaks or whatever like that what do you do during Go the football. breaks you just get up and refill the refill the plate um I is have everything going to happen kids. at the table for you guys or, or are you going to be no, eating uh, in front of the television
5: so i have an interesting setup at my house with televisions um you can basically be anywhere downstairs and have a television so um I have one like over the fridge, so you can so you, you can see okay. it while you're in the kitchen or while you're eating at the table. So I think probably because it's just family, it'll be just kind of eat at the island type of thing. But my kids will have to eat at the table, obviously, or they can be in their high chairs. You know, so when you know, like I when I watch football today, at least till my kids go to sleep around seven thirty, you know, I'm still being a dad in between doing watching football and, and being with them. And then when nighttime comes, actually tonight, you know what? Tonight is a, it sounds like a cigar night. Like I'll probably go out on the porch turn the heater on, and have a cigar watching the Giants and and uh, the Redskins play.
4: That cigar will be better than that football game is likely to be, I would imagine. You know, I, feel, All right. I feel like Go ahead.
5: That sometimes in the NFL we have games you think are going to be really bad, but turn out to just be competitive enough to keep you into it. However, the Giants are very bad, and, and they beat the Chiefs, obviously, and the Redskins have a ton of injuries. Reed is out. The starting center is out. Fourteen
4: players um, they have out, right?
5: Yeah, and, and so— it's going to be an ugly game, but Kirk Cousins is playing really well right now. Uh, so yeah, if you if you want to watch this game, watch because of Kirk Cousins. He's done a lot with with very little. He's actually earned a lot. Of, I think he's earned more money this year. Um, he hasn't doesn't have the weapons around him, but he's still playing at a high level. And if the Redskins are, are foolish enough to let him go, man, go if he went to Jacksonville.
4: Yep, um, Jacksonville do, or Denver do, or maybe even Arizona, yeah, man. But if he, he goes to Jacksonville, do good lord, so well there. You like that?
5: You like look, that? He, look. This is something that's, that I don't think will even happen because the Chiefs drafted Mahomes, but if the, Chiefs let, if the Chiefs did not have Mahomes and let Alex Smith go, Kirk Cousins would do great in Kansas City as well.
4: I'm not sure. I mean, there's a lot of places he would do well. I mean, he, he's definitely proven that he is a very solid quarterback in this league. And as you said, 14 injuries. I think the coaching staff's done a pretty good job in Washington. They've been competitive in just about every game. They've had a couple of tough defeats, but Cousins has been exquisite and i totally agree that he has made himself some serious bank over the last month or so by the way he's played despite some of the deficiencies around him due to injuries and other capacities all right let's take a break on the other side chip kelly is trying to decide between florida and ucla jeff will tell you why ucla is a bad fit we'll discuss whether or not chip kelly is a little bit overrated and we'll also this story is just insane still in college football as well tennessee tells Jawan Jennings, who puts up an Instagram post going after this interim coaching staff with Brady Hoke and some of these assistants, calling him liars and snakes and other kinds of things, a very outspoken player, but an incredibly talented player is Jawan Jennings. They sent him to the curb. Brady Hoke, who's going to be not with Tennessee, most likely, within the next two weeks, let him go, and the AD John Curry backed it up. It is a dumpster fire. In Knoxville. We'll talk about all that next. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Geico Outkick Studios, the Outkick the Coverage Radio program on the air on this Thanksgiving Thursday. Hope wherever you are you're warm and you're safe if you're driving. Get to your destination safely. Hopefully, we'll make that journey a little bit easier for you. Clay Travis will be back on Monday. I'm the executive producer of this program, Jason Martin, joined by eight-year NFL veteran on the offensive line. Jeff Schwartz, follow him on the tweets at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz, follow me at j Outkick. So, Chip Kelly, I'm going to just kind of back away from the microphone after I lay this out quickly. Chip Kelly trying to decide between Florida and UCLA. There are some reports that he has a verbal agreement with Florida dating back to the South Carolina game, but it included and out during a certain window, which explains the UCLA talk. So basically he didn't have much. Like he could have just I mean, I guess maybe he just told Flores, like, Yeah I'll go there, but don't, you know, obviously I'm not gonna sign anything yet. And then UCLA comes around and he wants to be winded dine to bid and he's got West Coast connections and understands the Pac twelve, which is why when I was asked a couple of days ago by Clay where I would go if I was Chip Kelly or where it made more sense, I thought it was UCLA, despite the Nike issue with the Under Armour thing, which I'm sure Jeff will mention here in just a second. There was talk of a third team that was going to go after Chip Kelly and make a play. When we talked to Barrett Salee yesterday of CBS, we all sort of agreed that was probably Texas A&M who has a $9.75 billion endowment because of the oil money associated with that university. And of course, the facilities that they have there, Kevin Sumlin is going to be out, win or lose. After the LSU game, attendance is down, although they started 102,000. So, attendance being down, they're still doing pretty well, but there are a lot of folks that are just not excited about that program. Kevin Sumlin, I'm sure, will land somewhere else. It's not that he's a bad football coach. It just seems like his the welcome mat has been removed from his home in College Station. But Chip Kelly, not headed there. Is Jimbo Fisher headed there? We've discussed that. It's possible, but Florida State is trying to line up money to add to the assistance and add something to try and keep Jimbo there. They're not going to let him go without a fight. There's still a lot to be decided with the coaching carousel, but the first I guess domino that has to fall is the Chip Kelly domino. If he goes to Florida, then that changes things a little bit for some of the other candidates. Florida if they're looking at Dan Mullen, obviously if they get Chip Kelly, they're not going to get Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen, who I still think will end up in Tennessee. I think that's who the Volunteers will likely finish with once John Gruden finally stops what he's doing. I agree 100% with Barrett Salee that John Gruden is not going to the University of Tennessee. I know, Jeff, you do as well. But let's talk about Chip Kelly a little bit more. One thing that was discussed yesterday uh, during that Salee interview, he and I both agreed that Chip Kelly, what he used to do that was such a novelty and so new a lot of other people have cribbed from, and now there's a whole lot of college football teams that look a lot like that Oregon team. Is Chip Kelly better than all of them in schemes? He may well be, but what he's done isn't going to throw people off nearly as much as it used to, and him not necessarily being a dynamic recruiter I don't necessarily think his second stint in college football is going to be as good as his first, but you still have to go and get him. I understand that, and he does fit the Florida culture very well because they love to score points when they're winning in Florida, whether it's Urban Meyer or it's Steve Spurrier. Those are the teams that the Florida fans really, really remember. So lay this case out for us. As somebody who grew up on the West Coast, who played in the Pac-12 at Oregon, tell me why UCLA is the wrong fit or a terrible fit for Chip Kelly? Well, let's start with what
5: Barrett said yesterday about Chip Kelly and the scheme. And that, I think that's a very good point. When I when I was at Oregon, Chip got there, um, and we did something that was very unique, which was tempo, 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 tempo. We were the first team to really use the tempo in Division I to our advantage. Now, there were teams that did spread offenses. We did a spread offense before Chip got there, but really the tempo was the unique part of what we did. And we weren't complicated, we weren't um we weren't really that diverse. We were just fast and it put teams on their heels uh, defensively when you play a team like we played USC, uh when they had all their studs in you know 2007 USC, that defense uh, uh, all 11 guys got drafted to start our defense and some backups as well. I mean, they they you know, they're legit um, legit operation there, and, and we wore them out, right? So now everyone does that, right? We see uh, even the, the lowest level of, of college football, Division One; those teams are running some some sort of spread offense. So that's a great point by Barrett that everyone is doing this now. So what does Chip bring that's different? Well, obviously, I think Chip is a brilliant um, offensive mind in general. I think he would do fine wherever he went as far as offensively. To me, he already rebuilt one Pac-12 program, and that's Oregon. And Oregon has more resources They care about football more than UCLA does. They have the backing of Phil Knight. And by the way, that brings me to my Nike I've said this for a year now, and it was reported yesterday, that Chip Kelly really leans toward going to a Nike school because of the relationship with Phil Knight. And it was reported yesterday that that's one of the holdups. UCLA just signed a massive 10-year deal with Under Armour for $200 million. I mean, they got a huge deal from Under Armour, but they just started it this past season. So is that a holdup for going to UCLA? So he already rebuilt one Pac-12 program with better resources, now not as good of as a, a, a recruiting ground as UCLA, but if you go to UCLA, you're second fiddle in Los Angeles to USC. You'll never, you'll never be number one. Um, you're playing in a stadium that's offsite Now, I love the Rose Bowl. I think it's actually undervalued as far as a, as a venue for playing football, but you're, you're playing at a place that's not on campus, so you're not going to bring out the, the folks that you had like you had at Oregon. Um, you don't have the resources Now, they've started to put more resources into UCLA, uh, they built a new. Uh, uh, they built a new um, football facility. Brand new. It's very nice on campus. Uh, but in general, they, they just have like a lack of caring about football. It's always going to be a basketball school. My parents are UCLA alums, so I'm well connected into UCLA. I went to every game as a kid. Uh, they still have their season tickets, so I know kind of what the what the program is about. Um, they tend to play down to a lot of opponents. They never really have got a footing in 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 LA, even when they are good. They beat USC for eight straight years from ninety from two uh, from ninety two to two thousand. They lost two Rose Bowls during that time. They even had a chance to go to the BCS Championship game the first year in ninety eight. Went to Miami, played a poor Miami team at the end of the season, lost to Miami. They they just never live up to expectations. I don't know if Chip Kelly bringing him in will do that. If you go to Florida, you have better resources. You have kids to recruit in Florida that can run your offense to a T. You come out to California, yeah, there are some kids that can do it, but the athletes you get in Florida are, are magnified. Plus, if you win at Florida, you win on a different level than UCLA. Um, And yes, you have Miami, who's playing better now, you have Florida State, but I think Florida presents a bigger challenge for Chip Kelly if he's looking to get back into college football. That challenge of Florida is different than UCLA. So I think UCLA to him, I think they're using it for a leverage to get to Florida, to get more money out of Florida. I just don't see the, the allure of going to UCLA and dealing with being second fiddle in the town, dealing with all the other issues I talked about. So Florida, to me, makes the most sense for Chip Kelly if he wants to really challenge himself and try to to, 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 to resurrect a once-great program. If you go to UCLA, you're not resurrecting a once-great program. You're resurrecting a program that every now and then has a good year but typically is just okay in the Pac-12. All
4: right, so that's intriguing. That's one thing I hadn't really thought about is being second fiddle, not just to USC, but I guess that's because UCLA is a basketball school. Like it's still seen as a basketball school, but, but, USC but they've is won a one championship in,
5: in they've won one championship in forty years in basketball. Which really yeah ninety five. They've won one since seventy five since John Wooden left. Everyone thinks they've won like these zillion championships since he, he left. That is that is a uh, they might have won their last one in seventy eight. I'm I'm not I think seventy five or seventy eight. Um, but yeah, they so they they're still considered a basketball school. Obviously they they were they were decent last year. Um, but look, they play on an off. The Rose Bowl is many miles from UCLA, so you have trouble getting students to the game at times. Um, the non-conference games, and this Oregon had this issue too, but Oregon's still sold out. The UCLA is a quarter school, so they don't get in until almost end of September. So you play four games typically. We did this at Oregon; we were quarter school, four games before the students are there. So you have these non-conference home games. Um, you know, some of them are against good teams, like the A&M game. They played at home this year. There was nobody there for UCLA. The students were not there. They had a half band because the band, for some odd reason, can't show up before school starts. So they have like an alumni band. It's just not a good environment, I think, for winning football. And if you were to go to Florida, you don't have that problem. You have rabid fans. And maybe that's too much for Chip Kelly. I don't know. But the recruiting part of this is interesting because it's noted. He was not a big fan of recruiting. He's not a big fan of shaking hands with boosters. Now, that could be a, that's going be a problem at Florida. It probably won't be a problem at UCLA. Um, so he might have to change some of his ways of Florida. But did you see the clip of him in studio last week talking about Florida? And you see how happy he got, kind of smiling, thinking about going to Florida when they asked him, are you considering this job? Um, I just think that Florida is a better challenge for him and has higher upside than UCLA does.
4: I think you might have actually changed my mind, Jeff. That's, that's what I do. It's good stuff. You you may have. You know Chip a little bit, right? I, no? I the,
5: the funny part is the last time I talked to Chip, We interviewed him in Charlotte like two weeks ago. Otherwise, I hadn't talked to him since 2007. I mean, I don't don't go back very often. Um, They're always nice to me. They always sent gear and stuff. The equipment manager is great there. Um, I'm fine with Chip. Um, I think he's a good coach. I think what happened in the NFL to me is a little bit of stubbornness. And coaches in general are very egotistical. They have to be, right? You run their system. They're in charge. They're the boss. I get it. But I think his problem in in the NFL was he refused to change his scheme which led to the defense being on the field an extra two games worth of reps. So the 2015 Eagles were on the field for a two games worth of extra reps, which takes a toll on the defense because the, the 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 tempo at times obviously makes the defense be in the field longer. And therefore, excuse me, the twenty it would have been the 2014 Eagles. Um, it, it keeps the team on the field. Uh, no, excuse me, 2015. I was right. 2015 Eagles. It, it, it keeps the team on the field way too long on defense because. Offensively, you go so fast, if you get a bunch of three and outs, and this is the problem that yeah. Oregon had as well, is yeah. that Oregon at times, and this is why Oregon always struggled against these bigger defensive lines, Ohio State and, and Auburn, um, it, they struggled against those teams because do you have a bunch worn of out because they were
4: on the field yeah. so much yes. and the we're offense the f- would be it, right. on the field for like 45 clock seconds at a time
5: right right and and that's the problem so when you play these bigger teams and this is i don't think Florida might not have this issue because they can recruit bigger guys on the offensive line so you might not have the same problems as far as getting bullied by big defensive lines so that was a problem Oregon had that's a problem UCLA will have as well is if if UCLA will end up getting bullied by bigger defensive lines because you don't have the big hosses that you might get in Florida to play offensive line
4: Let's go to Ralph Irvin He's in the Update Studio. Let's find out exactly what's happened in the last 24 hours in the world of sports. Ralph.
0: Well, thank you very much. And Oklahoma City had a heck of a Wednesday night as they took out Golden State 108-91. The always-anticipated matchup between Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Finished with Westbrook having 34 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. A heck of a night. For Russ. Meanwhile, Boston's 16 game winning streak has come to an end as they fell to Miami 104 98. The Clippers' nine game losing streak also is over. They won in Atlanta 116 103. Cleveland has won six straight games. They beat Brooklyn 119 109. Philadelphia got 28 points, 12 rebounds from Joel Embiid. They beat Portland 101 81. And, well, the Lakers, they lost once again in Sacramento, 113-102. On the top 25 scoreboard, number two, Arizona Falls, 90-84 to North Carolina State. That game played in the Bahamas, also in the Bahamas. Tennessee needed overtime, but they upset number 18, Purdue, 78-75. And number 13, Notre Dame, wins the Maui Invitational, taking out number six, Wichita, 67 66
4: back to you thank you ralph Irvin. this is the outkick the coverage radio program on a thanksgiving morning we're coming to you live from the geico outkick studios it's easy to save 15 percent or more on car insurance with geico go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO the only hard part figuring out which way is easier as you're waking up on this holiday thursday if you're getting into your cars Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being a part of our Army. We are thankful for you. If you want to join this program, you can do so at 877-996-6369. That's 877-99 on Fox. Good reason to listen to the podcast if you just tuned in. It's Jeff kind of breaking down. Jeff Schwartz is with me, Jason Martin. Jeff kind of laying out why UCLA is just not the right fit for Chip Kelly if indeed he wants to try and own college football again. And I'm stunned, but Jeff Schwartz has turned me I now believe UCLA would not be the right decision for Chip Kelly, and it has nothing necessarily to do with Nike and Under Armour, but it does have everything to do with the fervor of college football. And I don't know that even if Chip Kelly were to win big at UCLA that the fans there would embrace it. Well, I know they wouldn't embrace it nearly as much as they would in Gainesville, but I I don't think I realized there was such a discrepancy between USC and UCLA. Like I knew that USC was top dog, but I didn't know that it seems like the way you're laying it out – it's a pretty significant difference between those two.
5: It is. And I'm going to look it up. I mean, UCLA has – they had two Rose Bowls in the, in the 90s, and they lost both. I remember they lost both to Wisconsin. Um, and since then, they've done nearly nothing on the national stage. Um, and they had the chance in 98. Like I said, they had a game against Miami that was rescheduled due to a hurricane. That was the first year of the BCS. They were one or two going into, week, into, into the last week. They actually played Miami after they played USC. And they used to play USC the last week of the season. Now, for some odd reason, the Pac-12 scheduling sucks. They move it. That's a it's my own personal gripe. They don't play UCLA USC to end the season. U- UCLA has another game um, this weekend, which and USC does as well, which makes no sense to me. Um, but so they beat USC and then they go to uh, to Miami and blow the game. They had a chance to be in the BC. I mean, the UCLA has always kind of done this. That's kind of been their culture. They play down to teams and up to teams. Um, which is upsetting as, as a former UCLA fan. I still I watch a lot of their games and close to the program. So I just don't see the allure of going there besides it's just a more low-key job than Florida would be. And if he wants to, to maybe stay more low-key, then he would obviously end up doing that. But they don't have a, a big bowl history um, of winning a lot of these games. I think that he'd be more appreciated if he wins in Florida than he would at UCLA. I mean, if you look at, at the bowl games they've been in, since uh, they've been in, in I mean, since since I've been in college, you, since 2004, UCLA has been the Vegas Bowl, the Sun Bowl, the Emerald Bowl, the Las Vegas Bowl, the Eagle Bank Bowl. I don't even know what, what that is. Kraft Fight Hunger Bowl, which is in San Francisco, the Bridge Point, the Holiday Bowl, I should say, the Sun Bowl and the Alamo Bowl. I mean, those are all six since you know, those are all six or seven, eight win seasons uh, for UCLA. So I just you know, I I don't really get the allure of going there. They don't win very often. Um, and like I said, the two Rose Bowls that they've played in since 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 86, they played the, they played one in 86 and they beat Iowa. Since then they've played in two. In 94 they lost to Wisconsin and then again in, in 99 they lost to Wisconsin. So I just don't see the lure of going there. It's not a big time program. They, they claim they are but they haven't won very often um, and it just doesn't seem like a, a big challenge for him.
4: Well, it seems the allure wouldn't be for somebody like Chip Kelly because Chip Kelly, the egomaniac that he is, as being a great football coach, almost all of them have to be, which you kind of mentioned in the last segment. The allure to go to UCLA for some coaches would be the expectations being so much lower in terms of pressure. All the bowls that you just laid out and the futility or the mediocrity, maybe is the more operative word there that we've seen at UCLA, would make it easier For a coach, because the expectations, even if it was one of the great coaches so far, at least, in his career that we've seen in college football, if he were to come in there, he wouldn't necessarily be expected to win a national championship, and the fan base wouldn't be mutinying on him if if he didn't, where if you go to Florida, they're going to expect you to win, especially being in the East, even though the East is... Potentially improving with maybe Dan Mullen going to Tennessee. And with Kirby Smart certainly doing some good things at Georgia. We've seen better things. Kentucky's had a decent year, or much better year. It looks like they've turned the corner a little bit. Derek Mason's had a tough year at Vanderbilt. But overall, it looks like maybe the East is starting to step up a bit. But they're going to expect Chip Kelly, if he goes to Gainesville, to be in Atlanta every year. Like They're going to expect the world's largest outdoor cocktail party between... Uh, Tennessee, or pardon me, between Florida and Georgia to be for all the marbles, at least until Tennessee proves that they can jump back up up into that upper echelon. So you walk in, if you walk into Gainesville and you're Chip Kelly, you walk in with a ton of expectations and fans that are hungry and fans that are going to go insane on you all over the place if you don't win immediately. There are some coaches I think that would shy away from that. Chip Kelly strikes me as just the egomaniac that would want something like that on his plate so that he can shut the fans up when he's winning i know that that's not necessarily the most personable way to say it but i don't think anybody's ever called chip kelly the most personable guy in college football when you think of personable you think of the bobby bowden's and some of those guys and the les miles who we played that thanksgiving audio a couple of times today i don't think you often think of chip kelly jeff that's one of the reasons i mentioned and asked how much how well you knew him from your time at oregon because that was never really his strength and of course we saw that in the NFL, so I think you laid out the case pretty effectively. And,
5: and and I think here, I think what's also interesting is is that Chip Kelly has always aspired to be at the top of, of coaching. Like we knew when he got to Oregon and started winning, he was eventually going to go to the NFL. Which all coach all coaches want to coach the NFL. That's the highest level of coaching, obviously. And, and you know, winning a Super Bowl is more revered. Than winning a college national champion now not for Nick Saban who is in Alabama I would say but nationally right if you're a Super Bowl winning coach I think that goes further than mm-hmm. one college football championship now if you win multiple like 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 Saban does right I think it's a little different story but if you if you you know if you're Bill Belichick or Nick Saban which coach do you think is more revered nationally probably Bill Belichick he's won Super Bowls so he's always aspired to be the best coach at the best place and that's why I think Florida would be a place for someone who wants to be the best go to the SEC school, and win again at Florida.
4: I think that's an interesting debate. We'll have that afterwards. Would you rather be a coach in college or the NFL? We've talked about it on the show before, and although I don't agree with Clay about John Gruden, I do agree with the spirit of why somebody like John Gruden and his ego might consider going to college football. So we'll lay that case out for you and debate that coming up. Also, Jeff Schwartz and his family buy a Christmas tree on Thanksgiving <laughs> Eve. We will discuss next. This is Outkick the Coverage with Jeff and Jmart here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back inside, coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where today we're brought to you by our partners and great friends out at TrueCar. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off the MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience i'm jason martin executive producer of this program with clay travis your host extraordinaire out until monday down in naples florida with his family hopefully he's enjoying a very nice thanksgiving hopefully you are as well i'm joined by eight-year veteran on the offensive line in the nfl jeff schwartz played for i think it was five different teams i usually get the number wrong five is five is where i'm going with Right now, he's on Twitter at Jeff Schwartz G-E-O-F-F. A little bit of news coming out this morning. Nothing huge except if you're a fantasy player and you've been stashing him on your bench hoping for good news. This is not good news. Per head coach Bruce Arians, Cardinals running back David Johnson has not progressed as hoped from his wrist injury, is not expected to return at all this season. So it might be time to dump him and see what you can pick up. We don't really talk fantasy on this show, but David Johnson was arguably... The number 1 pick in a lot of drafts this year went down, obviously, in the first week of the season and is not going to be back. So those people hoping for him to be there at the end of the season, maybe in their playoff runs, might be time to cut bait because, and that reports per Adam Schefter and some other places as well, looks like David Johnson's season is over. Arizona, you know, Jeff, I thought Arizona might come in and have a pretty good year, just has not really played out that well. Looks like they're going to need a new quarterback, probably potentially going to have a new head football coach, there's definitely some issues down in Arizona.
5: Yeah, there are. And, I, you know, and there are still kind of these teams that might feel like they can kind of be in the hunt, and, and they're not going to be bad enough to where they'll be able to draft a quarterback high. So I wonder if this is another spot for Kirk Cousins, especially if Bruce Arians does end up staying. So this will be one to, to to see what happens, especially from the coaching perspective of whether Bruce is gone and whether they go full, full rebuild or not. I think Carson Palmer has a year left on... His deal, yeah, I think he re-upped it. I know Larry Fitzgerald just re-upped uh, for another year. So if Palmer is, is realistically not going to leave because of contract situations, it's probably best to leave Arians in there and see what happens. But David Johnson accounted for the most offense in the NFL for one player last season. So to lose him, um, you, know, you, don't, you can't expect to win a lot of football, especially with – Palmer out as well. So they, they're kind of tough sliding on offense right now, and, and they lost Calais Campbell, who's now leading the NFL in sacks in Jacksonville. Um, they lost a couple back-end players as well, and they've just struggled this year. So it, it's a weird thing where they – do they rebuild or do they not in the offseason?
4: Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Kirk Cousins there because when we talked about where he could land, Clay always mentions Jacksonville, which certainly I agree with, but Arizona's a team I always mention and say – that's a place where he could definitely show up and do some serious damage, a team that does have some that does have some pieces on defense. Looks like Larry Fitzgerald's going to come back at least for one more season, but they have some parts. If David Johnson comes back fully healthy next year to bring in Kirk Cousins and have David Johnson out there as well, that would be certainly intriguing. If they're going to keep Carson Palmer, I agree with you. Maybe you do keep Arians one more year, and then you get a fresh start after both maybe handle one more year so we talked about this before the break and we're going to get to your christmas tree story but because before we close this thought the idea of college football coaches versus nfl football coaches clay's argument is one that i agree with i completely disagree with him about john gruden as do you as does Barrett disparately who was with us yesterday but he said that one of the reasons he thinks john gruden should come to college football is because in college football coaches become icons because coaches are by far the biggest stars in sport, whereas the quarterback is the biggest star in the NFL. And when you really do think about it, you mentioned Nick Saban, but you could also include Urban Meyer. You can start to include guys like Dabo Swinney. These are guys that when they leave these universities, provided that they stay there and don't take 700 other jobs, like Willie Taggart, you know, if he's great at Oregon, maybe it could happen for him if he doesn't end up leaving for another job, which we've seen him do already a couple of times. But you'll get a statue outside of a hundred thousand you know person stadium that's filled up and people will call you a legend forever in the NFL how many legendary head coaches have there been like really stop and think Jeff and tell me like you mentioned Belichick but how many great coaches that they just roll off the tongue for you are in the NFL right now compared to names that you know and care about in college football
5: well that's a good point I just think that Gruden's lived this lifestyle of basically NFL head coach. He still goes to work now in the morning to watch film at, what, 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, And for him personally, I don't see him going back to college where he has to recruit, where they have a bunch of time limits on how much you can spend with your guys. Now, they have that in the NFL as well, but there's ways kind of a little bit around that more. Um, And I just – I can't see him – transitioning to a spread offense type guy in college football when he studied the pro style so much, and that's what he studies now in the NFL. Um, personally, for him, I think the NFL makes more sense. He knows the oh, you know, he calls NFL games, so he still stays involved with the coaching staffs, with the players. He knows the trends. To me, college football would be a brand new start for him. I just don't see it being as much fun for him being a pro coach. I get what you're saying about the idol situation, but for Gruden, I like him in NFL.
4: Oh, I agree. Like I agree. I'm just saying from a philosophical standpoint, you can become a legend in college football. Very few NFL head coaches can become legends in the way you can in college football. As much as I disagree with Clay, that's one thing that I absolutely do agree with him on. But I also agree with you. John Gruden should absolutely stay in the NFL. He's an NFL guy. That's the life that he's chosen, and it's the one he should stick with. Third hour here on this Thanksgiving still to come. Stick with us. Les Miles again next. Final hour of the Outkick, the coverage radio program on this Thanksgiving Thursday. We are so thankful that you have chosen to spend part of this holiday with us. We're going to make it worth your time for the next hour. My name is Jason Martin. I'm along with Jeff Schwartz, eight-year veteran of the NFL, has a real interesting article coming up later on today at SB Nation. We're going to discuss that here momentarily as I don't think we've done Jeff justice as much as he enjoys food. We just haven't talked enough food on this show. And it's Thanksgiving, and we need to get that right here in the final hour here at the Geico Outkick Studios. Clay Travis will be back with us on Monday. All right. I don't know if I want to talk about the Christmas tree here. There are three games today. Only, well, you know, there's two games, and then there's two teams playing tonight as well in some kind of an exhibition scenario. But there are two (laughs) games that are at least intriguing today. This Vikings-Lions game, real interesting uh, report came out. Ian Rappaport just tweeted out, that uh, Ziggy Ansah, who's missed the last two games, is going to play today for Detroit, which will certainly increase their pass rush. That'll make that a little bit more intriguing of a game that was already plenty intriguing without it. And then the Chargers visiting Dallas. The Chargers might be playing the best football in the AFC West right now. Dallas may have their left tackle back today. He's questionable. He thinks he's going to play. They're hopeful he's going to play. And I'll bet you Dak Prescott is certainly Hopeful he's going to play based on the pass rush of the – of the. I did it again. I did it yesterday. I didn't it get so it all the times. way out this time. Los Angeles Chargers. It's just not right. It doesn't sound right. We've got a big Chargers fan, actually, out in L.A. He's Nick Wright. Not that Nick Wright. Nick Wright that's filling in for Danny G today. Nick, I I keep calling him San Diego because it doesn't feel right to call him Los Angeles. How many times have you made that mistake as a fan?
6: Oh, I mean, it's taken me the whole year to get used to it it's it's really gotten hard i mean here's the thing though i live not far from the carson stadium and you know i've been going to that same for a long time because it's home of the uh, la galaxy for all you soccer fans out there not many uh but it, it's a really it's a really great stadium because it only holds about twenty thousand people so you can you know you get the cheapest seat all the way up in the rafters and it's a, still a pretty good seat so that's so far the only uh good thing about that carson move
4: yeah so they're well, the los mean, angeles chargers
5: you like the stadium because it's half full of visiting fans as well,
6: right? <laughs> well, that's the bad part. I mean, I went to, I went to the Denver Bronco game a couple weeks ago, yeah. and it was. I mean, when I say ninety percent Bronco fans, that's probably putting it lightly. I, I was in a sea of orange, man. It was crazy.
5: Are you a Chargers fan? Like, are you from San Diego? No, or you became a fan when they moved up here.
6: You know, um, when I was a kid, I was I was growing up a a Rams fan, and when they moved back in, what was that like ninety four? I think. I mean, my my uh, family was just yeah. so distraught that they were so bitter. Well, my family became Charger fans, so now that the Rams are back, um, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw twenty years away of rooting for the Chargers, but it's nice to see the Rams back. But um, no, I've been a Charger fan since I was a kid. Hmm. And this, well, that's fair. And by the way, th- this year of all years, you guys mentioned the, with the AFC West this year. You know, I've been a struggling Charger fan for years now. And how many yes. year after year after year? How many times have you guys seen or heard or even said? Oh, well, just another Charger loss. They just find ways to lose. And this is the one year where somehow the AFC West stinks. And what happens? They lose two games from missed field goals. And then, remember that game a couple weeks ago against Jacksonville? Yes. They should I remember. have won. I mean, good yes. lord, that fumble <laughs> recovery that got overturned somehow, some way. A <laughs> gift, a gift to the Chargers. And what do they do? They somehow write a script and mess it up. So Yeah, as good as Philip
4: Rivers has been, he's been known so much for the bad throw at the end of football games, or his team just completely letting him down in the last two minutes. It's 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 been tough for Chargers fans. As a Broncos you, fan, I've certainly enjoyed it over the last few years, but that Jaguars <laughs> game in particular, that was a competition to see who could lose better. Yes. That's unreal. what that game was. You lost a
5: game to Blake Bortles when he threw two <laughs> interceptions in right two there. minutes.
6: It's unreal. It,
5: in fact, like Trey Boston, caught, it was Trey Boston right? caught that ball and then started celebrating, and they had three timeouts left. Like, like run the football. It just, uh, but the Chargers do. Like, if they, if you guys stop finding ways to lose, you would be in contention for the AFC West this year.
6: Well, that's probably not going to happen. I mean, they're always going to find ways to lose to the Chargers. So here's the thing. Let's say you know I I feel pretty good tomorrow against Dallas. I think Joey Bosa and Ingram are gonna eat or today Jack Prescott today. Thank you, you. Mean about like thank seven you. hours. If you feel yeah. if you feel good about it Appreciate tomorrow, it.
4: then you're definitely gonna yeah. Lose.
6: Thank you <laughs> later today. So uh, watch them. Then, the next week they play Cleveland, to which they lost last year. So watch them. But watch you'll
3: them. win it this year. The Browns are terrible. I would know.
6: Yeah, thanks for the jinx. <laughs> so uh, watch. Go, go lose to the Browns, beat the Chiefs, and then they got the Jets the week after that. Like they're gonna they're gonna win games they should and lose games
3: that they shouldn't. That's what. That's so the Browns. So the Browns are
5: circling this game this year. Like we got our win this year.
3: We know. wait a second, Mike. Are you a Browns fan? I am Mike a Mayer? sad Browns fan, and I've been the low- level
4: of sadness in that studio right now. Between <laughs> long- trust me, Nick and no, Chargers and Browns. Nick,
3: fans. Nick, Nick, Nick and me have known each other for a long time, and we get each other because the Browns they find ways to lose, but they're it's just in a sad way. Like the game against Jacksonville last week, perfectly winnable game, but yet the Browns
4: stink. They just stink in such a bad way. It's ridiculous. How upset are you watching what Deshaun Watson was able to do before he got hurt in Houston? I'm more more upset. I am way more upset about Carson Wentz. Way more upset about
3: Carson Wentz. I knew knew Deshaun Watson was going to come up because of it, but I don't think the Browns really wanted him. Carson Wentz just made so much sense for that city just because he's a North Dakota guy. Uh, Would have fit perfectly in it. yeah, it just would have fit the Ben Roethlisberger mold. It made so much sense, and they traded out. The Browns and the Chargers. <laughs> Where the hey, you, got, you guys are sports
4: Like there, This is Thanksgiving, and you're always supposed to find something to be thankful for. If you guys don't have anything, I understand. Like I, I get it. If There's nothing <laughs> for you guys to it's say at the dinner table tonight. It certainly helps
3: that the Cavs won a championship and the Indians were at least kind of on the cusp of being good. So at least Cleve- the the Cleveland that I knew growing up has kind of sort of shifted a little bit. But still, everything revolves like in that city around football. And the Browns have just been so terrible for the last 20 years. I get on the phone with my dad almost every week and we just talk about what the heck went wrong in this Browns game. What the heck went wrong in this Browns game. It's just a weekly theme we try to be hopeful in week one, and then the season's over.
4: So the Browns and the Chargers are two of the teams that Jeff Schwartz did not play for in his eight-year NFL career. Coincidence? I think not. Perhaps if he had played, things well, would have changed. Jeff, we got to get to your article. My brother, by to the to way, was a
5: Cleveland Brown.
4: Yes, and unfortunately we let him go, it's so,
3: I mean, which I never understood. because Your brother was a pretty good offensive lineman for us, Jeff. What
5: I, well, this is what I do understand. But here's the problem with the Browns, and and, and this is in teams in general, is if you don't re-sign your own players, you're never going to be a good franchise. Right. That you're, was... you, have to sp- you have to spend too much on free agents, and typically your hometown guys will give you a little bit of a discount. So the Browns missed out on obviously signing my brother, Alex Mack, Gibson. All these guys have gone elsewhere and been fantastic players. So the the whole the process that they're going through, it's obviously very unique to the NFL. Um, I don't think it's going to work, but we'll find out. I mean, Miles Garrett seems to be doing a good job. Um, but you need a quarterback.
4: Yep. When's the last time you had a quarterback? <laughs> Bernie Kozar? <Codes>
5: <laughs> Derek Anderson.
4: Derek, Derek Anderson was oh, the last okay. quarterback that was any good,
3: but the last quarterback he didn't even lead us to the playoffs. The last quarterback to lead us to the playoffs was Kelly Holcomb. Kelly Holcomb. I thought you you went to the playoffs <laughs> with DA. Him. No, barely missed it. Barely missed it. And I remember you you were ten and six? They were ten and six and we got knocked out of the playoffs by the Tennessee Titans and Vince Young. Because the Ooh, Colts decided dis- because the Colts <laughs> the Colts decided to rest their players. That was a Peyton manning. Oh, yes. game. And I remember that game. I was so irritated about it. I was like, man, if you guys just play your guys for one quarter, the Browns are going to the playoffs. And they didn't make the playoffs. Curtis Painter couldn't get it done. Curtis Painter could not get it done, man. <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right, so wow, we're gonna that's, talk about your bad. Jeff, we're gonna talk about your SB Nation article. I think we need more time to discuss it than we have before we need to go to break here. Because we're going to lay this out, and then we're probably going to disagree with you, or maybe you're going to ask us various foods and ask us what they would correspond to on the football team. It's going to be an interesting discussion, to be sure, on this Thanksgiving Thursday, and certainly festive. So before we get to break, last night, while other people are traveling or perhaps trying to get into bed early because they're going to be cooking all day or whatever it might be, you're out buying a Christmas tree, or as you called it, a Hanukkah bush. Correct. So take me through the machinations you know. i have a friend that wanted all of her holiday direction or all of her christmas decorations up before thanksgiving so she didn't feel rushed and i was like what, what do you mean feel rushed like it's not the end of november yet rushed to what you're not going to miss the birth of jesus christ like you have over a month to get there you have 32 days from today and she's saying well she wants everything up before they sit down for thanksgiving i'm just like how do you then it's Christmas dinner, right? Like, if you're looking around and you've got candles and you've got holly and you've got a tree and all this stuff, all of a sudden that doesn't feel like Thanksgiving because people, a lot of people still eat turkey on Christmas. Right. So you're buying a Christmas tree. Take us through this.
5: So my wife is, she's not OCD, but she's very specific on what, on what she wants to do in life. And last year we got a tree the day before Christmas, and, excuse me, the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, so we did it last night. So we all show up, we, we went out to dinner uh, we go to the, the the tree farm near our house. Uh, I got my truck with me, and I just let her do her thing. She walks around with the kids, um, picking out a tree. I've learned is very specific: no holes in the tree. Um, mm-hmm. You've Got to find a big fluffy one. We have a big a big area in the house to put up the tree, so we wanted a certain size. I have my little pole for the height of the tree, um, and it's just she has a tough time making her mind. Like we looked at trees for like thirty minutes. It was it was about fifteen minutes too long. Um, we find the tree we want. They tie it down in, our, in, in the truck for me. We go home. So last year, my parents were in town for Thanksgiving like they are this year, and my dad and I had to carry this tree, 12-foot tree, maybe a 13-foot tree, into the house from, from you know, obviously the, the driveway, and it was heavy. It was super heavy. So my dad ordered me a dolly to keep at the house to have for any situation we had to move a lot of big objects or a big object. So this year, we have the dolly. <laughs> we get it out, and the, we put the stand on the tree at the farm because um, we thought it would be even to do it there, and it was not. So the dolly was a complete disaster. The tree was uneven. We had to put it down. I had to go underneath the tree, adjust the, adjust the stand, get back up we put it on the dolly again it falls down cuz the weight's messed up <laughs> so we decided just to carry it in so my dad and I carry the tree inside we put the tree up we then have to adjust it a second or third time underneath my wife went down and got it down um we got the tree in and we'll vacuum you know we vacuumed up all the all the uh the needles. little uh, what the little what needles, needles the pine needles yeah and and the funny part the, the best part actually about this whole thing is on christmas morning last year at eight o'clock, my wife took the tree out and threw it on the side of the street. Eight, wow.
4: Eight. So you guys, guys don't hold year. it up till New Year's. No. no, no that no. things my over wife, on like the twenty fifth. I,
5: I think because of the the like just the amount of dirt it, it attracts and just the, the falling needles and everything, she just can't stand it after too long. Um but when we got married, we raised our kids Jewish and we, you know, I gave basically said like you, you know, we can have a Christmas tree. I think it's it's fun for the holidays, my kids like having it. Um, so we'll decorate it maybe today, I guess, um, if we have time or tomorrow, but that's kind of, I let her do that, you know, help her out with it a little bit, um, but it, it looks good in our house, that's probably why I do it as well, but it's a lot of fun, like it was fun for the first, and then, <laughs> so we we pick out the tree, my wife takes the kids home to go to sleep, so my dad and I are left, and they shave down the bottom of the tree, right, they cut it fresh, and they cut a little limbs off, they said, do you want to keep the leftovers, and I'm like, why would we keep the leftovers? So we bring it home, and my wife, the first thing my wife says after we put the tree up was, where are the trimmings? And I said, what, what trimmings do you mean? She goes, where is the cut? where they cut it off? I said, I don't know. I told them not to bring it home. She goes, well, you made a mistake. You should bring that home next time, because you're supposed to hang it on the tree and put a date on it. I was like, you left the two Jewish guys to pick out what to do with the tree. Like, that's on you for not telling me exact instructions on how to deal with the tree
4: let me tell you your real answer artificial trees you don't have to we worry have about this nonsense too, i've we'll, never had a real we'll i've up. never had a real tree in my entire life like never at any point during my childhood have i ever had an actual real christmas tree is that you a, know a bad I know thing how much
5: this tree cost
4: either what oh the one that you got yeah see i don't know because i've never like gone out and looked for christmas trees before i i didn't figure they would be all that expensive but i guess you're telling me that's not the case
5: I guess I don't know what expensive tree would cost, but this is what we, I know how much we spent on the tree.
4: It was a big tree. Like I said, it dwarfed your son, and I'm like, pretty I'm sure probably, it now like, owns I'm your house.
5: For, I'm, I'm working like for free today, I think.
4: Okay, yeah, that's an expensive tree because you don't come cheap. All right, on the other side, we'll get into your SB Nation article <laughs> about Thanksgiving food correlating to building a football team. If that's not a tease, I don't know what is. We're also going to play the classic Les Miles Thanksgiving audio for you again, and because it was so popular yesterday in the final segment of this program mike leach's wedding advice because there's never not a good time to play that audio we'll hit that for you as well stick with us it's jeff and jay martin south kick the coverage it's fox sports radio welcome back inside it's warm in here inside the geico outkick studios It's cold outside here in nashville it's under 30 degrees it's cold down in charlotte where jeff schwartz is i'm jason martin clay travis is back with us on monday of course He's down in Naples, Florida with his family enjoying the Thanksgiving holidays. Also, we got Mike Mayer, Nick Wright, Ralph Irvin holding it down, spinning the Dodge radio style for us out in Los Angeles. Three football games today. One of those, the big one, the Vikings traveling to Detroit to play the Lions. Really excited about this football game. And here is some news that just dropped. There is a decent chance, according to Ian Rappaport, that even though he played on Monday night and was just claimed yesterday, Dwight Freeney has raced from Seattle to Detroit and is in position to potentially play today in this football game. Jeff, your thoughts?
5: Yeah, it makes sense. He can rush the passer without knowing much of the playbook. Hey, it's third and 8 Go rush the passer. Um, and it makes a lot of sense for a team that needs to get on Case Keenum. And obviously, you have uh, Ziggy Onsa back this week. But to play 5-10 to 10 snaps, the issue is what if someone gets hurt and he's got to play more Um, then you kind of get into a problem where you might not know the defense. But if you obviously go into a game with a full, healthy set of defensive linemen, adding him for 5 to 10 to 12 reps will be beneficial for your team.
4: All right, so you have an article coming out today at SB Nation. We probably should have done an entire hour on this, quite frankly, because once it starts, it's probably going to become a fascinating topic. But the topic, well, you can kind of lay it out, but basically it has to do with Thanksgiving and football, right?
5: Yeah, so it's basically the X's and O's of Thanksgiving. So I, I took the food groups or the actual food items typically seen for Thanksgiving. Turkey, ham, stuffing, starches, vegetables, dessert, dinner rolls, and paired them with a position in, in football. So um, obviously, I think we start with the turkey, right? The turkey's the quarterback. It's the centerpiece of your Thanksgiving. It's the the, fr- the leader of your franchise, of your Thanksgiving plate of your Thanksgiving table, so turkey to me is the number one and it's the quarterback of your Thanksgiving.
4: Okay, well now anybody could could have come up with that, Jeff. I'm praying that that wasn't what your editor was looking for, that the turkey no, no, is the quarterback no, of no, your no, NFL no, no, team. No we get that.
5: So so what? Do you, if you were to choose for the offensive line, what would you think that would be?
4: The offensive line? Yeah. Stuffing.
5: Of course, hundred percent. There you go. See, we think it with grandminds think alike. So obviously, warm, filling, hearty, tough, all stuffing. Okay, that makes sense, right? What about? Let's go to next one. I don't even have the article in front of me, because it's not even up yet. I got. Let me look it up. Um, yeah, I mean
4: that's what I'm saying. I haven't been able to crib this thing next or up, a preview next it or know up, okay. what's going
5: on. Wide receivers
4: are what? Hmm, they're divas. Sometimes they're not team first. I don't know, but they're flashy as well. So it's got to be something that tastes good, maybe doesn't have as much substance. This might be way off, but I'll say macaroni.
5: No, they are the dessert. Ah, okay. once, you fi- once you find a good one, you're set.
4: Okay, so what article. is a good dessert a, for need, you? Need, because I'm need, sure you're including that in the article, right?
5: Yes, yeah, so this is, very, this is very bold. I'm going to pull my article right now so I can actually see what I wrote. Because it doesn't obviously sound as good. That would right. be helpful. Okay, so, um, yeah, dessert. Like a wide receiver, you need to have a number one dessert option. If you find that delicious one, it helps your offense to no end. If you can't find a dessert you love or the wide receiver help the offense, it's hard to function. Side note, now this is where I'm going to get in trouble. I tweeted this yesterday. Fruit should not be included in the dessert.
4: Apple like pie, at all, cherry
5: pie. Wait yes, a second. No,
4: no, 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 wait a second. Now, I understand you don't want, like... No, no, no. Objects None. in your gelatin. But you're no. telling me you don't like fruit pies or fruit nope. cake? Well, I mean, I don't like fruit cake, but like, no like a lemon cake. cake or something like that? Um, so
5: that's actually like a key lime pie. There's actually no pieces of fruit in it.
4: Okay, like I don't so want, no I, I don't pieces want of fruit.
5: Like no apple pie, no cherry pie, blueberry. How do you I do not like apple pie? I don't like apple pie. I want chocolate. It's a dessert. I can eat fruit another time. So I'm very, I'm, I know I'm weird about that. Like my wife's making a chocolate pie tonight. I don't want a peach pie. I don't want apple pie. I like oh, the crust. No cob- so you crust. hate
4: cobbler then, right?
5: Yes. I'll eat the crust of an apple pie, but I will not That's eat insane. the apple filling. I don't like even, I personally, I don't like the texture of it as well. Like the, just doesn't, I don't like it. Um, so I'm very odd in that. So I put that in the thing. I don't want to eat any, fr- I don't want any fruit in my pie or okay. my dessert, period. I right, like, you're I like, wrong, like, but that's okay. Like banana like banana pudding, no bread pudding's really good. I'll do bread pudding. Banana pudding, no oh bananas just in general, just
4: not I like not bananas. Like I don't mind eating just like a banana and a cereal or just like banana cut up or something like that. Usually banana flavored stuff in me are not big fans. When there was a time that I enjoyed candy, the banana runt was always the one that I would try to give away out of oh, that yeah, of box. Course. Always yes. without a doubt. Okay, um, so Wait, continue so along quick, these lines
5: what, what's your what's your favorite dessert
4: i mean i guess Not it now. varies Pre- previous I'm, life all right so if i had one thing that i could just go and eat that i know exists pretty much anywhere that i'm going to travel it is the waffle house chocolate pie the okay. chocolate pie so you, at waffle house is about two dollars for a big slice is phenomenally good you
5: you choose you choose um you choose Chocolate first, I like it. See, that's my point. No one chooses that. No one chooses the fruit pie first.
4: I don't know that that's true. Uh, Anybody in LA? You guys out in LA? Are you guys apple pie fans? Before we go forward.
6: Uh... I mean, not really to be honest with you. Interesting. I mean, with Thanksgiving, I don't I'm not a big I'm not big into sweets anyway, but when it comes to Thanksgiving, I'm really not into it. By the way, isn't there something called like ambrosia salad where just a bunch of like fruits and cream mixed together? I think that's a I don't like the dessert
4: cream dessert with dish. fruit. I love fruit yeah, salad, but disgusting. I don't like the cream added yeah. to it at all. Speaking All right, so about what the West we got, Coast.
5: Jeff? Speaking about the West Coast, did you see that? Uh, was it five thirty-eight? Put out a thing that says the favorite side of yeah. a legion and salad. How sad! Was the West how coast. sad was that to it's see so, that? So embarrassing. So embarrassing.
4: We're, so where from, I'm in the country, they got it right: macaroni and cheese.
5: Um, for I I put ham as the tight end because it's versatile. I think ham is versatile, right? You can have it in many different forms. It is, and also not everyone eats ham or has a ham. Just like everyone doesn't have a great tight end. Like, I don't eat ham, so we don't have ham on our menu tonight. Now, I will eat... We talked about this. You love ham. I don't like I ham. Do. However, I like the crust on the honey-baked ham. That I will eat. That's delicious.
4: You're all about some crust on stuff that you don't like. I love Like, you I find a crust, way to eat yes. the crust off an apple pie and the crust off a honey ham, but you oh, avoid so all the good stuff in both. All right, so no, take me no, to...
5: You get a piece... Okay, so the I put vegetables on the D-line... They fill you up and prevent your stomach from enjoying all the turkey. Makes a lot of sense.
4: Okay, that's a little bit of a reach, but I'll give that. I'll give vegetables that. One like a B come in, minus. Look, how about this?
5: Vegetables come in many forms, shapes, and tastes, just like defensive linemen. And to me, green bean casserole is the stud defensive lineman. Like that's what the best. I think that, to me, that's the best vegetable for Thanksgiving.
4: Interesting. I would go with cream corn. At least back in the day when Ooh, I would allow corn, myself to eat that. Big I know a lot of, of people like collard cream.
5: greens. Like My wife loves not collard greens. I have buddies that make collard greens. I'm not a fan because I don't like the vinegar, really, in the collard yes. greens. So, um, But my wife makes it, and she loves them. I have buddies who make collard greens. I put that as, as an option as well. Um, so to me, the starches are the linebackers. So mac and cheese, potatoes, sweet potatoes. Um, sweet potato pie, does that count as a dessert, or does that count as a, as a starch?
4: Uh, no, I think it kind of counts as a dessert because you can, at times, fool yourself into believing that a pumpkin pie – is actually a, a, a sweet potato pie so wait is pumpkin considered a fruit to you do you not like pumpkin pie either
5: i don't do any pumpkin anything
4: oh that is just you know what let's take a break let's let's go to ralph Irvin in the update studio and find out what's <laughs> happening in the world of sports i need to process the fact that you don't like pumpkin anything ralph please tell me you like pumpkin flavored things no oh my god! cancel my, the update
0: <laughs> then again my favorite dessert would probably be you know biscuits and gravy Okay, Ralph, what's going on in the world of sports, my buddy? Well, we don't have to worry about that long winning streak continuing for the Boston Celtics. That's because Miami snapped it with a 104-98 win. Doran Gragic with 27 points. Deion Waiters had 26 in the win. The Clippers' losing streak is over as well. They won in Atlanta 116-103. The Hawks, a pathetic 3-15 and on the season. Cleveland won their sixth straight game, 119-109 over Brooklyn. LeBron James scored 23 of his 33 points in the fourth quarter. And Oklahoma City got a huge night from Russell Westbrook as they beat Golden State 108-91. Russ finished with 34 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists in the victory. You know, with True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience on the College Hardwood Top 25 scoreboard. North Carolina state with the big upset taking out number 2 Arizona 90 to 84 in the Bahamas. Number 13 Notre Dame won the Maui Invitational 67-66 over number 6 Wichita and Tennessee got an upset win in the Bahamas, taking out number 18 Purdue 78-75.
4: Thank you Ralph and yes, if you can believe it, college basketball is being played in the United States of America. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. I kind of railed about ESPN with this PK-80 or this, this Phil Knight tournament that's happening in Oregon, incessantly advertising this doubleheader between North Carolina and Portland and Duke and Portland State. Like anybody on earth would find that entertaining. And you said, why wouldn't Oregon be playing? Well, they are. They're playing Connecticut. So I just wanted to point that out. So they are playing in that Why as part of that tournament. Would they play North
5: Carolina or Duke? Would you? Why not? Oregon was good last year.
4: I don't know. I mean, it's a tournament, so maybe the brackets didn't play out. But they've been advertising these two matchups for at least a week on television, and it absolutely drives me nuts. But your article is much more entertaining. And yeah. can we? Your dislike of pumpkins a real can, problem?
5: Can we give? Can we give a shout out to Oregon who just landed Minute Bull's son Bull Bull, 7-3. Bol Bowl seven three. Is it B O L B O L? Yes, an That's amazing, amazing. An, an amazing get for Oregon. He was being recruited by Kansas, Kentucky, and he even said the reason he went to Oregon was because um, was because Dana Altman told him that he's never been able to pull a kid from Kansas or Kentucky, and Bo Bull, Bull wanted to be the first one that he pulled away. <laughs> You love the honesty.
4: I thought that was that's great. Quite a, that's quite a decision-making <laughs> process that he has there. Um, Dana Altman's done a great job at your he, alma mater. He's done a
5: fantastic job. Um, so, by the way, just to give you a heads up, I write more in-depth articles than this. Uh, no, I know. And I know this is a football.
4: holiday-themed article. I'm not <laughs> I'm suggesting just, you don't no, put up, because you put up a video no, I'm just, yesterday.
5: I'm just telling people in general, this is not what I typically do. All right, so um, ham is the tight end, dessert's the wide receiver, vegetables are the starches to me are linebackers, macaroni yep. and cheese, Potatoes, sweet potatoes, they're hard hitting, straight ahead, can work on multiple plates, just like a linebacker, right? They can rush the passer, they can drop in coverage, they can stop. They the also run. fill space. They also they great. Fill yes, that's kind of what the vegetables are as well. They fill your stomach up so you can you can't like the quarterback. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Okay. My favorite one are the rolls, are defensive backs. They're soft, fluffy, and empty calories, but are much needed. Adding a delicious roll to your plate just enhances the experience of Thanksgiving. Having an elite defensive back enhances your defense as well. Match made in heaven.
4: All right, so we basically agree used on the t- value of roles.
5: To, I basically I overvalued roles.
4: No, I'm saying I'm glad that you gave proper value to roles. Todd Furman, who's on this show pretty regularly... Had asked a question a while back uh, on Twitter about what's the most overrated item on the Thanksgiving dinner table, and I saw people tweeting him rolls and saying it's a waste to fill yourself with stuff that you can eat all year. I don't think you understand Uh, how good bread is. I don't eat. I love me a roll, man.
5: I don't eat rolls ever unless I for things like we just make the crescent rolls, put a little sesame on them, and bake them for a little bit. They're soft and fluffy. Um, We don't do. Yeah, I don't. I don't make a lot of rolls otherwise. Um, I think the most overrated thing to me, obviously, is as a pie with fruit in it
4: yeah that that has been made abundantly clear (laughs) as you went blasphemous on pumpkin and all things pumpkin spice so you said you had cranberry sauce somewhere
5: oh yes i oh i didn't even put cranberry sauce on here or where is it at Ooh man i need to you know what you said on
4: air that you put cranberry sauce on something now you're going into your own article and realizing you left it off good thing it's not important at thanksgiving
5: no i did it in my little i did it in my notes i didn't put it in there on my article great job Great, great writer I am. Um, yeah, special teams is the cranberry sauce because you don't realize how you, how needed it is until you don't have a good cranberry sauce. It's like if you don't have a good field goal kicker. They kind of forgot yeah, about it. Well, do the place kick.
4: kickers have their own? Is there a, some kind of item for place kickers and punters? Or no, is it just um, part of special teams? It's just part of special teams. Did you teams? go the lazy way out?
5: Uh, lazy way out. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big cranberry sauce fan, but I know a lot of people are. So I basically threw this in there as a nod to people who love cranberry sauce. Like, we we were on, the, on Sirius the other day, we were talking to Mark Schlereth, and he mentioned that he makes a great cranberry sauce. He seemed really passionate about his mm. cranberry sauce. So I figured, you know, some people out there really enjoy cranberries. I eat my turkey plate. I don't put gravy on it. I don't put cranberry sauce on it. Um, I might put mayonnaise on a turkey sandwich, though, I'll tell oh. you that.
4: Oh. Yeah, Les Miles did, too. We'll play that audio for you here in just a couple of minutes. So the rolls quickly before we move on the roles are the D backs because basically they really enhance a meal and it makes the team that much better if you have a great defensive back so would you say like a roll with a honey butter or some kind of a cinnamon spread is like a I don't know a Richard Sherman or somebody like that like does what adds the butter like these are the things that you need to think about when you're putting these articles together is the butter and some of these kind of things and how that changes from player to player
5: See, but the the problem is, is that I don't eat very fancy like that. I just eat the roll plain. I don't put butter don't on eat, or nothing like don't that. You don't
4: put butter on a roll? Uh, kind of Jeff. These
5: little crescent rolls are kind of hard to put butter on. Crescent rolls?
4: That's what you're yeah, eating? I
5: like cre- that's what, I, that's what we make tonight.
4: Yeah. Like, not yeast rolls or not the ones that have, like, the three slits in them that you can just take a knife and go no, straight down in those no, with butter? No,
5: I know what you're talking about. No, I know what you're talking about. Uh, King's Hawaiian's. You know, like you obviously know a lot more about rolls than I do.
4: I, I like, like Brett, yeast rolls.
5: Man. I'm just saying we, we just, their crescent rolls are just easier to make, take, take less time, take less space in the oven. they just pop them in, they're done, little, little bite. You know. And like I said, they don't take up a lot of your stomach, the little crescent rolls. Yeast rolls, those, are, those things are thick.
4: No, that's true. So basically the yeast roll is not part of your D-back situation. Your defensive backs are not yeast rolls. Right, but I, didn't, too I didn't put
5: in. I didn't. I didn't put in crescent rolls. Though they didn't really ask me to be very specific on this. This was a. This was a. <laughs> did you a just write, or did
4: you thing. have to go find images, or like did your wife? Cook oh, they things should, and You had to take photos.
5: They're gonna put graphics to it.
4: I'm not a graphics like, person. Like gifs or gifs. I have or, no idea. I, I'm not getting we'll into that out. argument. They're
5: very. They're very creative.
4: Much more creative than you, based on your descriptions. There. Sorry, just kidding. Well, I'm Jason, looking forward to reading that, that like, article. When does it like come out write, Lunchtime? You time?
5: Don't, you don't have to you don't have to read it. If you would like it you, read it to you me. if you would, if you would like to write the article yourself, you I'll, you have a platform as well to add to the article. Maybe you can enhance the article by posting it and then telling me what I was wrong about. and then therefore people will come and click on the article link.
4: The last thing anybody is going to not kill me on is me talking about food in an article based on what I've eaten and what I haven't <laughs> eaten. That's been exposed on this show. Well, Somebody that's and, never and, had steak does not need to be commenting or be chicken. a written word. Do you, do
5: you eat chicken now?
4: Yeah, I love chicken. That's what I eat. That's, that's, that's the main staple probably in my diet.
5: Yeah, well, we, we've discussed that your, your younger chicken eating habits were not true, eating, true chicken eating habits.
4: No, right. It was more in nugget and strip form. I'm people got well really upset. Things.
5: People got really upset when I said that a Chick Fil A nugget is not real chicken. Like it's it's the best of fast food, but it doesn't qualify as a great piece of chicken. And people got really offended by that. I don't think that's that. I don't think that that, that, that that's an offensive of a thought. I'm not knocking Chick Fil A is delicious. I eat it all the time. My kids eat it all the time. But it's not like a great piece of fried chicken is better. I mean, excuse me, a great piece of fried chicken is much better than. A Chick-fil-A biscuit.
4: I'm just gonna get quiet. Like I can't understand. I understand have, the basis of what you're saying. Have but you had a so great piece good, of fried chicken Jeff. before?
5: Like have, have you had a great piece of like have you sat down at like a soul food restaurant and had a great piece of fried chicken?
4: Not really. I mean, yeah, I, like, I don't think what, I've ever gone a, to a soul food restaurant and ordered chicken. Though. Like
5: like like we have a place in Charlotte that's cash only. Price is chicken coop. It's a little tiny place. There's no where to even sit. Cash only Brown bag. Throw your chicken in a brown bag. Your, your, two, your one option of drink is sweet tea,
4: <laughs> and well, that's, that's a good and, option.
5: And it's the food is delicious. Like that to me is much better than going to Chick Fil A and grabbing a biscuit as you're running to work in the morning.
4: Yeah. Okay. I mean, I understand that. I guess, but I just love people. Taste but
5: I even put up a poll. I even put up a poll on Twitter. I said any piece of chicken or Chick Fil A chicken, and and Chick Fil A chicken won seventy five percent.
4: Yeah, you don't mess with Chick-fil-A, man. Oh, Justin man. Cooper is still feeling the brunt of voicemails. Voicemails come in every week on our well, 855 playline. line. Send me a voicemail. They have other things to say about you, Jeff. But now they might what? say oh. something about that if you continue going off on Chick-fil-A. Wait,
5: wait, what do they have to say about me? I don't think I've ever heard these. Is it have to do with well, being a California things. person?
4: No, it's it's many, many different things. It's uh, your Darth Vader-ness as you breathe into the microphone from time to time. It's us I do, do that in one segment. Yes, you do do that. Um, there was one segment where we discussed hot dogs potentially being a sandwich or not a sandwich. People went nuts on that. There are a lot of folks that also just call you a liberal constantly well, on the voicemail I mean, line. It's wide open, by the way twenty four seven eight five 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 hundred Clay.
5: But but is so that being a ba- is that a is that a bad thing though? <laughs>
4: I'm, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying they don't come after you about Chick fil A yet. But maybe you've just encouraged it. All right, we got one more segment on the other side. We're going to play some audio for you. Less Miles Thanksgiving. One more time from his classic at LSU. Also, Mike Leach's wedding advice from yesterday. We hit it, and everybody loved it, so we're going to give that to you. Our thanks to you for joining us, and we will show that thanks with these audio clips next. You'll enjoy them. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Final segment of the program today on a Thanksgiving Thursday. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. Clay Travis back with us on Monday. on his executive producer, Jason Martin, at Jmart Outkick on Twitter. Joined by Jeff Schwartz down in Charlotte. He played eight years on the offensive line in the NFL. Now he talks and writes about food and its relationship to football for a living at SB Nation. Not really. He doesn't write that much about food. But I'm sure he had a decent time writing this article. It'll be up later today at SB Nation. You can follow him on the tweets at Jeff Schwartz, G-E-O-F-F. Before we play this audio of Mike Leach and of uh, Les Miles. Les Miles, by the way, there's a quote that came out of the Players' Tribune a little while ago that Les Miles talking about Thanksgiving again saying that his role in Thanksgiving is to eat. Okay, there you go. We'll uh, let you hear more from him in just a second. But Vikings-Lions is the first game today, The certainly the one that has the playoff implications. Twelve touchdowns, three interceptions in the past six home games for Matthew Stafford. He's awfully good as well. Thanksgiving games, all time. The Vikings, Case Keenum is playing great football. The stat of all stats to me this season, in the last five games, as the starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, Case Keenum has been sacked one time. The offensive line doing work and Keenum making sure that that football is out of his hands and he's not caught with his hand in the cookie jar. It's going to be a really fun game, a big division game. Detroit really needs it. Minnesota's on a tear though at 8-2 and two, and what they did to the high-powered, high-octane Rams offense quite impressive, you'd have to say. So, the Lions definitely, with their work cut out for them. So, The audio that we promised. There's no way that we can thank you better than playing these two pieces of audio for you. First, Mike Leach, a reporter, asked him, said, you know, I'm getting married in nine days. Do you have any wedding advice? Now, there are some coaches where you're not going to get much from them. You might get a line about jeans every once in a while from Nick Saban, but you're not going to get the kind of candid response that you got from the Pirate himself. Here is Mike Leach's response. We played this twice yesterday. Everybody absolutely loved it. So from us to you, happy Thanksgiving. Here is Mike Leach's wedding advice to this reporter. The women lose their mind. Your fiance is going to lose her mind. Your mother-in-law is going to lose her mind. Your mom is going to lose her mind. Several of your sisters and uh, female relatives are going to lose their mind. And... Um, and they're going to they're barrage you with constant questions. What should we wear? And then, uh, which, of course, my answer was I don't care. And then uh, what color should the invitations be? I don't care. Uh, what should we have for dessert? I don't care. Should we seat this this way or th- that that way? I don't care. But, see, I don't care is not satisfactory at all. That's just part of it. He goes on and on. He starts talking about shortcakes and all sorts of things like that. And, Jeff, before we play Les Miles, you kind of took that same philosophy to the Christmas tree situation last night where you kind of let someone else make all the decisions. You said it took much too long, but it's not like you were going to stand there and decry whatever tree your lovely wife found.
5: So you're not married yet, so you'll you'll learn this soon. You don't make any decisions. (laughs) You just stand there. Well, your wife makes the decisions, and you just tell her, "Okay," and you tell you just give her, "God, yeah, oh yeah, babe, that that tree looks great. Let, let's. Are you, are you sure you want that tree? Uh, I don't know. Okay, well, let's look at other trees. The same with the wedding. Hey, babe, do you want these flowers? Yeah, yeah, I like. Uh, yeah, they're they're nice. What do you think about them? Oh, they're beautiful. You, know, like, you just you just go along with it. When you're married right. one day, you'll understand what all the married guys are talking. Clay talks about it all the time. Your your wife, my wife, is in control of our household.
4: Oh, I understand. I Believe me, I understand. In control of the dinner table, no one in college football more than Les Miles. This is a classic. From his time at LSU, asked during a Thanksgiving week press conference how he likes to get down on Turkey Day. Just sit back and enjoy this.
2: I am the easiest man to please when it comes to food. Um, I, I have to be honest. I think it's a, uh, I think it's definitely the turkey with a warm gravy. Um, maybe it's the last um uh, spoon or fork of food on the plate, you know, that has a little bit of salt and pepper and maybe a little bit of the uh, turkey and gravy and, and some of the stuffing that would be there and maybe just a, a smidgen of that uh, cranberry stuff, right? Not like a big, not kind of overwhelm the last bite, but that right there, oh my goodness, right? That last bite's worth a lot. Um, I might add that uh, the turkey sandwich with uh, mayonnaise, mustard, onions, and a little salad, a little uh, little uh, lettuce, kind of makes, makes for good eating later too, doesn't it? wish you hadn't mentioned that. I haven't had my lunch yet.
4: Les Miles, an absolute beauty. We miss the Mad Hatter so much just for things like that. Dude was such a great character. And Jeff, your love of mayonnaise, I'm sure that now you're even more hungry. You mentioned in our chat window a little while ago that you were already hungry. I don't know when your Thanksgiving actually commences in the Schwartz household, but uh, listening to that sandwich talk, as much as you seem to like mayo, you're probably really excited about tomorrow.
5: I'm starving, and yes, the, my favorite part of, of Thanksgiving will be eating leftovers tomorrow on a sandwich with you know, warm turkey, a little bit of cheese, some mayonnaise, good crunchy crispy bread to hold all that turkey together. Mm. Just
4: All right, Jeff, enjoy your Thanksgiving. You guys out in L.A., enjoy yours as well. Everybody out there, thank you for joining us today on the program. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the pigskin. We'll react to all three games tomorrow right here on Fox Sports Radio. Same bat time, same outkick channel. Also, we'll get you set for a big rivalry weekend in college football. See you then. Happy Turkey Day, folks. Oh, oh, oh,
0: O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts.